No, 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 no! Ah! Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 260. It's 14 days to Coco Fest. Be there or be square. Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world. Keeping the tiny flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop. Because Coco Talk is rocking the 8 bit world. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How are we doing today? Pretty darn good. Doing <laughs> good here. Oh, uh, a little bit of a short show today, possibly. Who knows? News will be interesting. You know, you just jinxed it, right? As soon as you say, as soon as you say short show, it's out the window. So under five hours. Uh, another, yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep it under five. Okay. Uh. Um, let's see. Uh, let's start off with the panel intros. Uh, let's see. In my top left, uh, Rick Euland. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two before. weeks. <laughs> so you got uh, plenty of those uh, um, keyboards ready? Uh. Yes, I am, in fact, working on it. <laughs> cool. Piles of them. You got enough screws? Got enough screws. Got more right, switches. Good. Life is good. Thank you, sir. No problem. <laughs> okay. And the master of the Game On Challenge, Ken Waters. Hello, everybody. All right. And uh, we got D. Bruce Moore, Forced to Doom. So, hello, hello. So, you like what I did there at the intro? I did. And that, like, in case you're wondering what the heck that was, that was my, um, that's my display for Coco Fest. I was setting it up in the house just to see if it, how it was all going to work. And I thought I'd take a little video of it. And that's only two weeks now? Man, you know, <laughs> I, got some, I got a bunch of stuff to do. I have to write my presentation. I'm the first presenter, I think, at the fest. So and you got to hit the road here pretty soon. Yeah, yeah I've got till Sunday for my presentation, so I don't have to start until Saturday. Thinking about it till Saturday. Awesome. Yeah. Don't so tell Curtis. Good. Don't. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm so doing I, it with him. <laughs> so I like the uh, "Are you ready?" and then "No, no." 
Mm, yes, good juxtaposition there. So, and next up, uh, yours truly. Um, next over in the middle of the Hollywood Square is Mark Overhoster. Hey, I got the middle square for once. Hey, glad That's to be right. here. Okay. Uh, Ron Del Ron Deluxe. How you doing? Ron Deluxe. The pool looks good. Uh, we're out in Arizona. I'd show the Arizona background. All right. And the man whose name is in vain this week, Nick Marentes. <laughs> Good day, everyone. I'm I'm in the uh, most appropriate spot for me down the bottom. <laughs> in the row all by yourself. That's mm. it. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. You know, Nick. Yep. One of these one of these days, you should actually change your profile picture so it's upside down. That would be very good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When we're looking over the globe, we can see you down there, right side up. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Project updates. Does anybody have any project updates today? So, Rick, we asked you about yours. Um, any other ones besides the keyboards? What else are you going to have? Well, um, how about joysticks, more keyboards, hard drive adapter. Um, just started on the Melty keyboard. It's a mess. Dang, you got a store full of stuff. <laughs> We're getting there. Um, I may dig out some of my old stuff, but it's not really cool enough to bring to Coco Fest. Hmm. The, the, the auctions have much better vintage things than I do. Okay. And it's going to a better cause because, you know, you need a Glenside. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Ken, you got uh, any updates? Uh, well, I finally put a 6309 into my uh, Coco 3. Other Yay. than that... That's about it, and it's and I did not blow the computer up. It still works. So. And you and you still have all your hair. Yes, I'm not Curtis. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried some software that uh, will actually work with it? Oh yeah, I've been playing Gunstar. Oh, good. That's a good test. So, so uh, Bruce, what you bring in besides uh, the uh, Force of Doom? Uh, well, I'm bringing Forest of Doom. I'm bringing Realm of Doom to demo, mm -hmm. and your guitar. Well, I yes, there may be room to bring my guitar. Cool. Uh, yeah, Rick Adams. I, I might I may be the backup backup musician with Rick Adams. I'm also bringing. Uh, well, uh, yeah, there's there's going to be some stuff. There's going to be some interesting stuff there, and uh, I just. I don't want to give away the, the big secrets, so I'm just going to zip it now. <laughs> okay. Uh, myself, I plan on bringing uh, test equipment and tools that uh, maybe we could fix a Cocoa or two. Cool. Uh, so, uh, Mark, uh, your turn. What, yeah, what you got, got for us today? I got a couple things up in the air here. So uh, one of them I already posted on Facebook there and in Discord. So should have those hopefully at Cocoa Fest. Um, and, uh, then beyond that, I have, uh, a few other items that I've, uh, been working on. There they go. Oh, there we go. 
I got some more of the mouse adapter boards. Uh, so I'll have some more of those like last time. And Scott Went Malfunct has a little project that uses USB with a uh, basically an Arduino and a little shield that has USB and then a little adapter board. It's got the same uh, MCP4922 that's used on the mouse, uh, David Ladd's mouse adapter board. So I have some of these boards. I don't have uh, just his software. So, but uh, anyway, suppose we could do joysticks with this and mice, USB ones, but that software's got to be massaged together. But anyway, I have parts and pieces. So people are interested in something like that. I have a few. So let's see. And of course, I still have some of those uh, prototype boards that uh, that uh, Jason Lee Steer developed. So I had some of those last time. I've got, still got a few left. So. Cool. Anyway, so that's what I have to show off at Cocoa Fest. All right. Uh, let's see, uh, Ron. Um, are you even? Are you coming this year? No, I don't believe I will be. But you never know. It could be something that happens, and I wind up going. But right now, okay. I don't have a chance yet all right and, and nick i know what the heck of a swim for you yeah so i better start swimming now how how far away is the uh fest uh two weeks two, two weeks yeah, yeah two weeks away oh if i start swimming now i might make it yeah <laughs> no, just, just go to the gulf of mexico and go up the mississippi <laughs> you get just about there Oh, let's see. In the chats. Make, make, make sure you turn right and not left. If you turn left, Nick, you end up in Antarctica. So just watch out. Okay. So through the Panama, take a left, up the Mississippi. <laughs> so in the chat, we got uh, Mickey, uh, TJB Curtis, Jim Rye, Fred Provincia, uh, Tom Eric Gunderson, Kevin Holloway, OG Hugo, uh, Flutterball21, Rick, uh, Ricky5, uh, Daddy Burrito, uh, let's see, Marco, Dave and Sharon. Uh, I'm also reading through here to see if there's any questions to be answered. So uh, far, just where's Curtis? Yeah, Curtis had a... Um, Curtis uh, had an incident with his hair on fire. Yeah. Again, <laughs> he tried to tell me how to solder and uh, accidentally caught his hair on fire. Again, yeah. so either, either a wedding or a funeral, they're both kind of about the same. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Okay. Uh, anything else on project updates? No. I can share my um, page, but, you know, it just has some th interesting things on there. That's all. Just interesting things? Yeah, that's all. Oh. Shall all I? right. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let's see here. Can you see it? We can see it. All right. What I basically done is I went to... Um, I went to uh, Cincinnati and visited the uh, observatory over there. And I took my best picture and put it on the cocoa, which I usually do, right? I know. Looks it's pretty exciting. good. Everybody sit. Relax. <laughs> no, it did, did come out nice. Isn't that cool? They have I this think, huge old tree in front of the place. But I think that looks great. Yeah. Here it is. It's neat. And even on the cocoa VGA were models one and two. 
you can see it with the viewer program. Came out pretty good. Okay, then uh, I was uh, looking around at stuff like I usually do. Oops, and then I, <laughs> when we we rented a nice um, Dodge Charger, 2021, and I put uh, some music on it, Color Computer 3 sound. And then um, <clears throat> I found that, uh, guess what? Uh, the guy that founded Hot Cocoa had passed away at 91 back in, I think, 2013. But it was an interesting um, article here about Wayne Green. And uh, there's an actual uh, link to listen to him talk. And uh, he's an interesting guy. He actually um, knew or met Amelia Earhart. Interesting. And then I found out that um, uh, CompuServe is still around. In fact, here's a link to it. Mm. Voila. CompuServe, the same one from back in the day. And they keep it going with interesting uh, news. And uh, they have autos, camera, let's see, you know, careers, entertainment, fun and games, gadgets and tech. Anyway, it was really cool to see. In fact, uh, you know, you can look up your weather and stuff over here. And... Uh, it was pretty cool. So every once in a while, I go there just for fun to be on CompuServe. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Isn't Microlink still around too? I'm sorry, not Microlink, AOL. AOL. Well, if you actually, if you go to CompuServe Mail, look at this. <laughs> Does that look familiar, anyone? You have mail. <laughs> so, yeah. It's pretty neat. And then, um, <laughs> what's his name? One of, one of the guys put, put me with the, uh, the three great guys, you know. The three amigos. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I made sure it was on the Coco 3. And uh, <laughs> now, now you can change your ROM to this if you want to. <laughs> That's about it, I guess. I found Coco 5 at the store. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And then there's a Dungeons of Daggerath forum. Anybody know that? Yeah, I'm a member. Are you? Yeah. Hmm. I even have shirts, look. Hopefully this comes up. Ta-da! Interesting, huh? Did that uh, game come out for any other platforms? No. Not originally. They left off the little copyright Radio Shack logo on the shirt. <laughs> yeah. That's it, guys. Okay. So how many sure. of you still have your CompuServe manual? Wow. <laughs> 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 Did you see someone on there said, how come he has that? And I said, because he's old. Yeah, 5403305, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember mine too. Okay. So we have uh, out in the chat, we had um, um, AC 8 Bit Zone. Um, he has a project update. It's not too late to join the panel. So uh, feel free to jump in and we can get your update on. 
Space Pirate uh, Kimilko is missing a fancier pilot selection screen and is good to go. All right. And uh, what else we got here? Uh, there was another thing here since I find it again. Oh, what is the mouse interface board? So there's a couple different versions of that out, um, but that allows you to use the standard either PS2 or USB mouse as a joystick on the color computer. So it's an interface that lets you plug in a PS2, depending on the version, a PS2 mouse, USB mouse. David, uh, David Ladd's is specifically PS2, uh, the one that Scott worked on, and, and also uh, Paul Fiscarelli has one too that uses a USB interface. The limit with uh, Scott's at this point, uh, Malfunct, is that it only has support for basically the uh, Xbox 360 controller, wired and wireless. There is bits and pieces for the Arduino out there for PS2, or not PS2, there, uh, for USB mice, for um, other types of USB controllers. It's just that software hasn't been built yet and tested. So, so I need to send him uh, mine? Send him a copy <laughs> of, the, of my software? Uh, does yours use the it? 4922? Or are you using a PWM? Uh, out, uh, right? PWM. No, his is 4922, like David Ladd's is. Yeah, so. but the algorithms to convert the uh, uh, right. USB. To read the, use the USB. I guess the front end USB. stuff would be the same. Yeah. Yeah, so that might give him a head start. Yeah, so that's a possibility. So. Who's, who's uh, that again? Write right his name. Oh, Malfunct. Okay. Uh, Scott, Scott Went. So I'll, I'll send you the link for the. Um, for okay, his, uh, I can offer head. that up to him there. Um, does that mouse adapter basically let you? Uh, can it's an external board converting a PS2 or USB joystick, and it gives uh, a standard Coco six pin DIN type yep. analog output. Yes. Does it? Yeah, that's the way David Ladd's so, works. So yeah, right. So it, right. So basically, nothing actually plugs into the Coco. Just a cable. External, not internally. Yeah. 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 yeah just a cable. It, it, it's more right. of an it's a, it's an adapter, essentially. Yes. Yep, just like the Paragon or some of the others that have been built. Yeah. in the past. So. Yep. Yeah. The the one that uh, Scott has and Paul they're a lot more complicated. They require a microcontroller. They require a USB interface and then an adapter board for the six pin uh, DIN. Yep. So it's a stack. It looks very much very much like uh, um, Mark's there, except his has the um, USB on the top. Scott's has the USB in the middle and the DIN on the top. Yeah. So a little stack. This one supports uh, wireless mice as well as wired. Uh, but in the middle is the conversion to, uh, you know, get the PWM signal to the 0 to 63 that the joystick needs. So that's the voltage conversion. But, uh, but yeah, the, Mark, uh, the one you have there, Mark, also works pretty good. Oh, yeah, the one that David developed? Oh, yeah, I know. It works excellent. Uh, it's just unbelievably stable. And everyone still has PS2 mice. Yep. So that's okay. yeah, but it's like, still, we have, it's like we have two more votes for getting AC on the panel. Come on, AC! Come on, AC! You can do it. <laughs> Tell you what, uh, shall we take our uh, mandatory uh, commercial break, and then we want to move in the game on, or see if uh, Alan's joined us by then? It's only twenty minutes, but yeah, let's see if we can get AC on here. Okay. All right, let me push this button here. That one, and then this one. 
are watching Coco Talk, the world's leading weekly video podcast featuring a candy-colored computer. We spread the love to the past, present, and future for all models, including the original color computer, the Coco 3, and the world-renowned exclusive French computer, Radio Shack. Coco Talk would like to thank our patrons who sponsor our program, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Bowden Aaron, Brendan Donaghy, Ryan Weasler, Brian Walsh, Aaron Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Danielle Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jay Style, Ken Riker, Malfunk, Melly, Michael Pitsley, Michael Rayburn, OG Hugo, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Eulen, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C, Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S, Tony C, and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week? To Mansta. Hello, everyone. I go by Mansta online and grew up playing games on our Coco 1 from about 85 through 89, which was an educational computer that had the RAM upgraded to work with Telewriter 64. My favorite games were Zaxxon, Sea Dragon, Return of the Jedi, Astro Blast, and Realm of Naga, off the top of my head. I am planning on doing some Twitch streams soon on my channel with Coco Games and eventually would like to pick up a Coco 3 system. Roy Stance. You can call me Dr. Stance, Ghostbuster. I have a Tandy 6000 HD, a Coco 2, a Coco 1, and some other fun stuff. I tinker with old oddball computers and oddball telecom equipment in the little bit of free time I have. The previous bios were edited for time's sake. Thanks to Melly, Boysontech, Paul Fiscarelli, Eric Canales, The Glenside Color Computer Club, Terry Stage, and the Coca Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. At discord.cocatalk.live. Okay, and we're back. Uh, all right, so. Um, before we jump into uh, the Game On Challenge, um, Nick, did you want to go over uh, your latest project? Yeah, I can uh, try and see if I can show off uh, what I'm doing so far, just to let people know I, I haven't uh, slackened off and uh, run off to the Bahamas with all my my uh, uh, mass earnings from <laughs> from for zero hour on a, on a beach. With, with the super yacht? Yeah, that's right, a super yacht and all that. Um, I, I've jumped straight back into another game, which I think we mentioned last week uh, on the news. Um, but it's a game which originally started off as Frogger. I've always wanted to do a Frogger. I've always liked the arcade Frogger. So I started thinking about how to design a Frogger for the Coco, and I'll make it for a Coco, well, for all Cocos, Coco 1, 2, 3, and Dragon. So um, I've gone back to the to my roots, and um, from from Frogger it evolved 
into another idea uh, by a few suggestions by Ken Waters because I generally like to do original games. I'm not really a big fan of doing arcade copies. So with this, we've changed, I've changed the idea a little bit in that it's, it is a Frogger game still, but I've changed the, the, the title and I've changed the characters and I'm adding a few extra graphics and, and wherever it ends up, I don't know yet exactly fully all the things I'm going to do, but what I can do is I can show my VCC of what I've done so far. Um, so at this stage, I've just done some tests to, to verify that the uh, animation will work, the sound will work that I have planned. So I will try and share my screen, which is Mikey coming says up. there's already an official frogger for the dragon. There's, there's quite a few froggers already on the Coco. So it's not really a, a brand new idea, but the idea is to create a very colourful and very uh, Australian. Well, that that's a bit that's come in later. So yeah, I'll explain oh. that. Sorry. So, oh, sorry. Thank you, Thunder. So yeah, so it's Frogger, <laughs> and then I was showing or t talking about it with Ken Waters, and uh, he he made a bit of a. Uh, I don't know if it's a joke or a, or a, or an intelligent comment that I should go for jumping Joey and uh, instead of a frog, have a kangaroo or, or Joey's a, is a, a young kangaroo. And I like, I like that, that, was that idea. That an intelligent uh, suggestion. Well, that was um, an intelligent one. Yeah. <laughs> intelligent. <laughs> now you say that. But um, <laughs> so I like that idea and then that, got me thinking I should give it more of an Australian theme to the game. So I've been gradually going through and um, designing the graphics to be Australian uh, themed. So anyway, what I have here is uh, in VCC, just showing the preliminary um, tests I've been doing. Um, and I'll hit R, and that's the oh, title it's, page. It's right side up. Good. Yeah, I, 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 it's designed for the American market, for the northern <laughs> hemisphere market, I should say, <laughs> which means I've got to get on my stand on my head again. No, it but says six three oh nine at the bottom. Uh, that's my VCC. It runs but, on a six eight oh nine. This is okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, my VCC is always in six three oh nine. Okay, but it runs on a six eight oh nine, and it'll run in sixteen k on a Coco 1, 2, 3, and a, and a Dragon. So it's a all Cocos, and uh, it uses Semi-Graphics 12 uh, to get the eight colors. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm trying to make it look like a very color. I'm trying to bring, bring back the color in color computer or of, of the uh, early color computers. So I've got lots of colors, as much color as I can throw in there. Looks great. And, yeah. And and the other thing I've been trying to do is also to make it very audibly impressive. So, I mean, one of the big things, of course, on the Coco 1 and 2 is having games with with um, background music that plays while you're playing. Now, my, my other game, my previous game, Pipes, was the first one I did that had background music or some background music in the background while you played. 
And uh, the reason I, uh, what I did with that was because I chose a very simple game that wasn't too taxing on the on doing graphics, so that I've got time to do a background soundtrack, and that worked well. But with Jumping Joey, I want more of an arcade game with more graphics and stuff, and the. I want, I want it all, <laughs> yeah. so I'm trying to I'm trying I'm trying to get the uh, background music in on a more action uh, game. So what this demo, what I've got showing, what I'll show in a sec, is I'll start the game, and the game just simply brings up the first screen from my from the game, uh, moving or it's what I call the freeway scene. So and it'll start playing the music. And it'll keep playing the music, so I'll probably just abort it so it doesn't drive us mad. So here it goes. Now, obviously, it's a very uh, Australian-themed song. That's the uh, Rolf Harris, Time My Kangaroo Down. <laughs> so I've got that playing in the background, and that plays in the background. Um the, the music routine is capable of, of doing two voice music, but this song is only, I've only used one voice because um, I've got a few other ideas of what to do with the uh, two channels. Are you so playing one the sound now? Yeah. Oh, uh, we can't hear it. It's playing now. Um, maybe I didn't activate the uh, share for the sound. Hang on. I'll, I'll abort and reshare, okay. make sure the sound is on. I thought it defaulted the audio it, on. Ah, oh, there it is. Share sound. I didn't see the little tag. You aborted Joey. I aborted Joey is dead, <laughs> which means I'm going to have to start up the VCC again. Hang on. Starting VCC, sharing screen, turning on sound, yeah. and that, and share. So after that anticlimax. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. People say, man, those Australians must be deaf. <laughs> okay, let's do it again. Once more from the top. So, back to the title screen. And here we go. Big crescendo. Is that playing? Yep. Yeah. So that's playing a single track, uh, even though the routine can actually do two track sound and, and music. But I, like I said before, um, I've got a few other ideas of what to do with that. So uh, watch this space, I guess. So it's playing the, the Timey Kangaroo Down Sport from Rolf Harris on one channel, and it will do something else on the second. The graphics there, that is the, all the, I tried to create a, a, a fairly busy graphic screen. Lots of cars, lots of movement, and then to see if I can still play background music. And as you can see, it, it is playing it perfectly. The, the song is playing properly, the graphics are moving properly, and that's all running on a uh, 0.89 megahertz, uh, well, it's on VCC, but it'll run on a Coco 1 and 2. Um, just like that. So that proves that you can play background music in the background while having a 
action arcade game running at the same time. Um, and, and the music isn't just beep, you know, sound on, off type sound effects. The, the sounds do have a, a bit of a, a fade to each of the notes. So a bit of a bell-like finish to them. Anyway, that's going to drive us nuts if I don't sh- shut it down. So that's that's my latest project, um, my next game. So for Coco 1, 2, 3, I'm hoping to have it done fairly quickly because um, Frogger isn't too hard a game to do, but I keep uh, sidetracking trying to do all these extra things, of course, and that slows me down. Like now I'm trying to create a, a fancy um, music program to, 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 so that it's easier for me to create this sort of music uh, in the background on games. So, so we haven't seen what this little Joey looks like yet, right? Uh, well, I can show you a few drafts of what the graphics will be. So hang on two seconds while I've still got VCC here. I mean, it's in semi-graphics mode, which is a bit coarse. You don't, it, it's low res. So it, it, it's going to be an approximation of a kangaroo. <laughs> so these are all the graphics I've been compiling for the uh, for the game. The alligators. Um, you can see the alligators, and that yellow thing there is meant to be a kangaroo. And unfortunately, that's about the best I can do in semi-graphics mode. It's they're very chunky uh, graphics in semi-graphics uh, and uh, very color limited, hence why the, the crocodile has a lot of little black areas around it. You can only have one color per bite. So you've got to really d- design the graphics in such a way that you try to hide that. So that's what I've been doing there. But you can see that the kangaroo, um, is my mouse pointer appearing on the VCC? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's my kangaroo. Uh, that's a fly. That in, in the original Frogger, there is a fly that you're meant to capture in your while you're jumping around. Well, that fly is going to be changed for a spider. So I'm going to try change it to be a um, Australian animal to, to keep with the Australian theme. So that'll become a spider. Uh, that's a crocodile. Um, I think you guys call it an alligator in the US, yeah. is it or? Yeah, so we, we call them crocodiles, so hence why the movie Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> um, so the fly's got two, two red eyes, huh? Yeah, yeah, two red eyes. It's a pretty dangerous uh, fly. Yeah. But that's, it's going to become a spider, which will have red eyes as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, this green thing, in the original frogger, they're, they're meant to be turtles, but I've sort of changed them a bit. I'm going to call them platypuses because in australia we have uh, well we've got turtles as well but because of the the chunky nature of um semi graphics the bill is very it its bill or its yeah, snout it's or whatever prominent. yeah is, is very square on a real platypus so i thought that might work out well for semi graphics it gives it that platypus type um bill so i'll call them call them platypuses 
<laughs> and uh, yeah, that's basically it. Now, in Frogger, you've got th- uh, two script. Uh, well, there's two areas of the screen. You've got the freeway screen on the bottom, and then you jump into a crossing a river type screen. In semi graphics, it's it's so low res, it's a bit hard to squeeze all that in on one screen without it looking very low res. So I decided to split it up. So I split the freeway scene um, with uh, from the river scene. And then while I was at it, I thought, well, let's extend it. Let's add a third scene. So I'll show you the three mock-ups I've done. So we load in the freeway scene, which you saw already in the, in the demo. So, yeah, that's the... The graphics I'm designing for the freeway, um, this red area is just markers so I know where all the scrolling areas are going to be. So I've got the various vehicles. You've got your display for the score, a timer, number of lives uh, left, uh, all that displayed. So that's to be the first part that you play. Your frog starts at the bottom and you have to hop across the road, dodging the cars, get to the top, whereby it then switches to a second screen. Now, have you considered not, making it a bloody uh, bloody squish? <laughs> I could, but I'm trying to keep it... Uh, yeah. well, <laughs> trying to keep it PG. Friendly. Yeah, PG. PG, that's it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can go nuts with the violence. But, <laughs> um, so the second screen... Uh, is is the extra screen whereby again you've got to get across. It's now you're in a parkland area or or the as we call uh, here in Australia the uh, the outback uh, or the the bush area, mm-hmm. and you've just got to get across to the other side. And the white areas are fences, so the fences will vary every time you you do come to this sort of screen. And you've got to navigate between the fences to get to the other side. But there will be people or lawnmowers. There'll be a, a tractor driving here. So it's sort of like the freeway scene, except that now you've got to navigate between the fences to get across, dodging the lawnmowers and the, uh, and the tractors. And once you get through that, then you get the final... Um, scene which is lifted from Frogger the river scene where you've got to get across the river so you can see the how I had to try design the graphics to get around the, the one one colour per byte limitation of uh, semi graphics um, and uh, in some instances like the snake here I've yeah. used enti- entire bytes to do the pixels that's an entire byte and I can't have any other color, except uh, one color plus black is all I'm allowed. So I thought the easiest way to get around that is make the whole block one color. So and I'll animate that. So that'll be the snake. I don't have any of the the color limitations here because it's all one color in a in a byte. But up here, you can see where whenever wherever there's a, a color that merges with another color, such as the blue background for the river, I have to put a black. I can't have blue um, and, and uh, well, I can't have the blue and another colour in the same byte. So I have to work around that limitation. 
So originally, I was. What do you call the thing with, with all the the thing you're pointing to? What is it? That's a, you, that's a log. Oh, okay. That's a log that floats in the river. All right. So you got to. Yeah, that's how you get across the river. You got to right. jump and land on on a log. You can jump, or you will be able to jump and land on the back of a can, of a crocodile as well, but not round its mouth. Its mouth will eat you. But on okay. its back, you can jump on that, and that's how you get across the river because that'll all be moving horizontally. Um, originally, I was going to do it as a black background, so I wouldn't have this color, this one color um, per bite limitation, and uh, that sort of looked tidier. But then I thought, well, it's a funny river, isn't it? What am I? What what is it? A river of oil or something? It's just black. I thought that's not going to look right. I need a blue river. Yeah. So. Hence, I'm trying to get get the blue to work in there. So, yeah, that that's the graphics. It's going to be three different areas as opposed to Frogger's two. And I'll see what else I come up with as I go. I mean, this is uh, one of those things where I, I've got a rough idea of what I want to do, but I'm making it up as I go. <laughs> so, What's the little cross figure? The cross figure... These were the frogs. I, I, I drew frogs first, and that was to be a frog. Um, or these two were frogs. And then, of course, Ken gave me the, 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 the great idea about going for the uh, jumping joey. So I've, I've changed that to – I'm changing those to kangaroos now. Just below <laughs> it there, it's like a, a Chevy logo. Uh, well, in, in Frogger, again, the original Frogger, you had a turtus, turtle. And the turtle every now and then submerges. So as it's submerging, it goes to this, well, it's oh, okay. green here. So it's it's half submerged and then almost all submerged, and then it would float back up. And I'll probably do the same thing but with the platypuses as well. So they so you can land on a platypus and use that to get across, but you can't stay on it because it will submerge. So you've got to get off it before it submerges. Otherwise, you, you go under as well. Uh, kangaroos can't swim. So, <laughs> hmm. um, so yeah, that, that's, that's where, where I'm at so far. So this is not a Frogger ripoff. It's like a totally unique game. Well, it started as a Frogger ripoff, and now I'm trying to uh, give it some originality. So it's a Frogger-ish ripoff. <laughs> Frogger-inspired. <laughs> Frogger inspired. Uh, like I said, I start with one idea, and then I'll, over time, I'll change things. So it's being worked out as I go. And it makes more sense that the kangaroo drowns, whereas in Frogger, it never made sense that the frog would drown if it fell in the water. Well, that's right. Yeah, um, it. I guess it, it sort of doesn't make sense that a kangaroo does jump on the back of a kangaroo either. But hey, it's a it's a video game. <laughs> you you heard it here first. Kangaroos can't swim. No, Kangaroo, that's right. Kangaroos do jump on each other though, don't they? Oh, oh they can Joey, beat. Wouldn't they a Joey can jump beat on people his father? Up. <laughs> yeah, well, it sits in its in the in a kangaroo's pouch. But uh, isn't that how we get kangaroo uh, Joey Juniors? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're jumping. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so still yeah, P, still PG. <laughs> still PG. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, 
that, having the background Australian song there. And, I, and I'll, I'll try to put some other songs as well, but it's just a matter of finding uh, Australian tunes that I can have in the background uh, and, and uh, all that. Well, the, fine, the okay. place to find Australian tunes is Australia, so you are in the right place. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> just don't use the kookaburra song. They'll come after you. Yeah, well, I would have liked to put a kookaburra in there somewhere because there are kookaburra songs too, but, yeah, maybe I can squeeze it in somewhere. I'm yeah, not sure got yet. sued for a flute solo that used that melody or something. Wasn't that true? I oh, did they? Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the who was it? Do 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 do. Men at work. Yeah. Men at work. Oh yeah, the uh, down under theme. Men down under. I, yeah, actually, that'd be a good track to see if I can convert. But yeah, do I get? Yeah, they already been sued, so you're safe. <laughs> oh, I'm safe. Okay, all right then. Not actual legal advice. <laughs> no, no, that's right. So I oh, will see how I go. Um, just see what else have I got on this thing. I can show you the music editor that I've been working on, and then uh, we'll call it quits. <laughs> um, what do I call it? GM editor. So this is a tool I wrote in BASIC just for creating the, the tune. So it brings up the screen there. I'll just, have I got the song here? Probably do. Kangaroo. Yeah, so... It's basic, basically like a like a music tracker. I put the notes in here, and I can edit the, edit the 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 notes and the music here. It does two voices, and as you can see, I've only got one voice in there at the moment because I'm got, I've got other ideas of what to use the second voice for. So, but yeah. As I've always done, whenever I needed to. Whenever I start a game, I usually write custom tools in BASIC to help me create the graphics and, and the sound effects. I'm right. old school. I, I know there's much better programs out there already on, on a PC or a Mac, but, oh, well, you know, I'm having Cocoa fun, so I'm going to do it all on the Cocoa. So it's just, it's just written in BASIC. So that, that uh, flush uh, utility added flushing sound? Well, no, uh, flush is the way, because the way my editor works is that you just press a button. Like if I want to do flush, I, I press U and it, and it brings it up. And, and, and the same when I'm putting notes, it, it uses, I'll go into the second window. If I want to put a note in there, I say I hit A, it pops up A and then the first A note it knows is, is, uh, is A octave one. And that, that means all my letters from A to G are taken up by this single key entry part. You know, if I hit a B, I get a B note. If I hit an F, I get an F note. Um, so the menu items on, on the right have to use – I can't use a letter that already has been allocated, a note. So Echo, Mark. Uh, oh, is that someone? Uh, I no, I think that's Alan. That, that means all my letters. No, nope, that's me. I'll fix that. Oh, I could hear something. I think uh, is someone is someone abusing me. <laughs> yes, it's so you. Sorry, you're I'm, I'm uh, coming up to speed here. My bad. Is that better? Yes. Yep, that's fine. Yeah, that's all right. So, Nick, 
Um, this yeah. is uh, one beat, or how do you say it? You know, it's not. Yeah, one, one, one. Well, I've written. It's not a quarter note what? gets one count. It's one you note gets one count. Four, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how to read music or anything about music, so it's been a, a, a bit of a learning curve. And I'm, again, I'm making it up as I go. So. <laughs> So, uh, oh, you're doing well. Oh, I got I got the um, Timey Kangaroo track going. So, anyway, all right. Well, that's it. I'll cool. shut this off. Good. Stop the share, and I'm back. And let's see, Jason, you had something. Uh, yeah, I can give a I can give a brief uh, update. Now for the real Joey. For the real Johnny. Well, it is it is Australian themed, but um, <laughs> it is uh, something I have shown off here before. But um, I have um, I have the the enhanced the enhanced just standalone and, uh, high resolution adapter uh, that I've shown before. But now it has a name. It it is the Dingo High Res. <laughs> so. To continue on with the Australian theming. What does it say uh, at the bottom? Real time clock. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but there is one of those. I can get you one of those little twelve o'clock stickers for it if you want. <laughs> but um, no, I I will have these, and and and, and, and it already been said. You know, Coco Fest two weeks. I will have I will have a limited limited amount of these available at Coco Fest in two weeks. And then, then we'll go from there. But uh, you can, it's just, it's very simple. It's just, you know, it's kind of a drop in replacement for the Tandy one, except you can also just switch between standard and high res without unplugging. But it's just one joystick port, one cassette port, no past or anything like that. Very basic, just for someone who wants a high resolution adapter and doesn't need a, a switching system, but also wants to be able to switch to standard. And that's all I have right now, and I, I guess I'll see everybody that's going to be there in two weeks at Coco Fest. Okay, cool. Uh, Alan, you're up. Hey, so can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Well, it was probably the worst idea in the world to try to join today, last second like this. I had to dig out the headphones, and the I have five USB devices plugged into only four ports. So <laughs> I'm good to go, but I, I've lost the source that I wanted to share with you for project update. I, I'm trying to bring in my, um, the Coco video into a, uh, into the USB capture stick. And I lost it after I connected all of this other stuff. So you may have to come back to me. So uh, I think uh, Jason, I think uh, OG Hugo is asking if the uh, Dingo is available right now. It is not available right now. Uh, it will be available on my website after Coco Fest, and it will be available at Coco Fest. But I won't be I won't be selling any through the anything any of those through the website until after Coco Fest. So, we're gonna keep your 
dingo away from any babies. <laughs> I, the, these dingoes have not eaten any babies of any type. They're, I, from what I understand, they are actually vegan. <laughs> or possibly vegetarian. But, you know, they'll live off a of dingo's breakfast, right? We just yeah. look around, take a pee. <laughs> we can yeah. jump into the game on then if uh, we want to give AC some time to get everything set up. Okay. Um, Alan, you need a little, you need some time? I do. I, like okay. I was saying, I can't see my video at the moment. All right. Well, we will go over here. And I believe we had a visit from Gimes. Oh, week. no. Oh, <laughs> I, we're sorry. This is where you got to take uh, go This is toilet, for you. Uh, so long. There's a toilet, Ron. <laughs> All right. Here, here we go. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was good. Oh, I guess we're getting some echo on that. Um, it was probably better that way. Yeah. <laughs> that was intended. Yeah. Completely intended. Okay. Uh, let's see.
Buck Owens, who had 4,805 ticks left on the clock. Congratulations, Buck Owens. And congratulations and thank you to everybody that played this week. We'll see you next week. Coco Talk salutes Buck Owens. All right. Oh, well, all right. There you go. So that was the game this week. We played Zero Hour. Um, obviously, the best player was uh, Buck Owens. And <laughs> <laughs> I have some video here of. Uh, oh, I can't share my screen. Ah. Oh, hang on. And I think I'm getting some vague simulating of an idea of where this echo is coming from. <laughs> Is it echoing through my mic or through my headphone, through the brain and out uh, into my microphone? No, I think through mine. <laughs> okay, so we had Buck Owens, and uh, this is just a sample of how Buck was uh, <clears throat> getting such good scores. Um, this is on the uh, – what the heck is the name of this screen again? <laughs> uh, the hydraulic lift. Hydraulic lift. So – Normally, you have to use up like three um, charges to do one level, then the yeah, other side he, of the level. He was double dipping, basically, so he, he was yeah. using less charges going a lot quicker. Generally, you can only do one platform at a time. You don't have enough time because the, the main platform goes back down, and you don't have time to, to go to a second one. But... Buck Owens worked it out. He found that by jumping, it's slightly faster than just walking. So with that uh, speed increase, he's able to uh, get onto a platform, you know, destroy the robot, get the uh, the security switch, and quickly jump back onto the platform to go onto a second platform. So he saves himself using the EMF charges, as well as saving time. Um, but, yeah, only, only Buck Owens could work that out. <laughs> so I, Buck I, Owens I, is the original Jumping Joey here. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so I I remember when I designed it, I, I thought of that. I thought, oh, is it possible to do two? And I could never do it. But, yeah, I... I, I it, Myself, I forgot about the fact that you can actually get a bit more speed if you jump. And mm -hmm. uh, using that, you can do it. So, yeah, I mean, that's good when people actually find extra little, little tricks and strategies like that uh, in the game that I otherwise never, never planned for. That's good, that. Mm -hmm. And so it's not... He, oh. He's got other other secrets that you'll probably see in this video as well. Well, I'm not going to play the entire half-hour video, but... No, but <laughs> I think he does do it here as well, yeah, the next trick. So he goes and he does He does this acid uh, level, gets, gets all the acid, but he gets the switches before the acid gets to him. Mm-hmm. The timing that always uh, took me a long time to figure out. Yeah, the he was lucky on this screen. I noticed his timing pretty well 
uh, landed first pop. He, he got it early. Yeah. So he saved saved a fair bit of time uh, on this one. It was just luck. But it's what he does. I think I think it's this level to to gain him more time. He goes and he completes this level. If we have a look, gets all the switches, quickly gets out of the way of the acid just in the nick of time. Comes across. And he's just got two more. And if I remember, I think this is the level whereby he doesn't bother trying to go back to the door oh, to get he, out of the room. It's this one where he kills himself. He, he just kills himself, yeah. Yeah, that's because a quick you, way to get back to the door if you need that's to. That's right. Especially if it's a, if it's a hard level and uh, it, it might be a bit difficult to, uh, oh, to no, get Oh, no, he just back. went around quickly. The... No, he's still got one oh, more to yeah. go. So when he finishes, yeah, when he finishes it, this yeah. in the EMF chamber is the best one for killing yourself to get back to the door. Yeah, that well, the EMF chamber saves you having to wait for the uh, the platforms to come back in the order you want. You can say, "Well, I've got nine lives. Uh, if I pla- there we go." He just j- yeah. walked off the edge, killed himself, which puts you straight back at the door instantly. And there you go. You save all that tra- time going back. So that's how he gains more time. He does later on fall over accidentally and actually does die unintentionally, which means he could probably, if he can play a perfect game, he might be able to even get more timer left over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, expect a 5,000 count from him. And this um, is this level here is definitely one of the ones where you can waste a lot of time. This is the one he normally does, yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, again, it, it the, the platforms are random um, and sometimes you're you, you know, you might be on on, uh, on on the side platforms waiting for the rising platforms to come in the order you want. And because it's all random, there, there are times where it just doesn't come yeah. for ages. <laughs> or you and have to go so, back. That's right. And one of <laughs> See, the tactics is – There he got lucky. That was just absolutely He got lucky, timing. yeah. That's right. I hate that jump but and yeah. move. I'm at the top. I yeah. got to jump. I hope this platform comes. Yeah, yeah. There, there is the, the the leap of faith. I've done that many times, and it usually never works out for me. Yeah, I'll jump off one side, time. and uh, the platform will appear on the other side. Yeah, yeah. But when it does happen, though, it, it feels great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nick, this game was a bit of a departure for you in the style of games that you made. It was uh, basically a lot of mini games so that's right well i i sort of have done this in my original donut dilemma donut dilemma was sort of that idea mm-hmm. and um it sort of was done but I, I took it a step further and made him oh, here we go he's gonna die here he'll probably is doing a leap of faith there and he had no faith <laughs> <laughs> well, if it had worked out, it would have worked out. If not, uh, he gets it right would have been good. The yeah. Door. That that looked almost like an accident because he didn't wait till he got as high as he could before he jumped. I think he probably just did it. And if the if there had been a a platform, then there would have been a platform. Otherwise, if he dies, not, gets back to the beginning. He gets back to the beginning. Yeah, he's 
the mind of Buck Owens. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> you also have to be good enough at this game to do that, that you're not wasting a bunch of men doing other things, like dying yeah. randomly, walking walking off the edge of the platform constantly. I'm not going to mention well, any got... names, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've done that many times. But um, I think in this one, th- this video that he put together is a complete playthrough. He gets right to the end. Yeah. But in the last three or four levels, he only has one life left. He, he does lose a few lives, you know, mm-hmm. unintentionally. So, yeah, he's sort of – I was wondering, oh, is he going to make it? Because he's he sacrificed a few lives early on. And also you saw the- you also saw there something that he did that um, uh, added some little extra time for him is that he jumped to go across platforms because you move faster jumping. Yeah. So he could get across platforms a lot quicker than if you walked. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so you were saying how uh, this game you kind of did it in Donut Dilemma, but yeah, it had it had many games in it, but this this took it a bit further. And one of the things that I did did notice though is that this is uh, probably I would say one of the easier. Nick Morenti's games because it's the only one I've ever finished. <laughs> yeah, well, I did try to buck the trend of making games too hard, so uh, it was intentional to try and make it a bit, bit easy. I think people enjoy it more if they can actually achieve the end goal. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it the, the the timer at the bottom. If you don't go to the casino where you can gamble and take risks at getting extra EMFs or even a free life, which you you get a chance to play the casino at the expense of losing 200 points on the timer. So yeah. if you don't use the, the casino, just the timer on its own takes roughly 50 minutes, almost an hour, hence the title, a zero hour. Mm-hmm. So 50 minutes for a whole maximum for a whole game um now we did notice that out. um it ran a little the timer runs a little quicker if you're running it on a 6309 um yeah but of yeah, course the, the game also runs faster you can move quicker it, yeah that's right so it, it, that's right yeah the but, time um is so is that 50 minutes on a 6809 or a 6309 oh good question I, I did time it but now i can't can't remember <laughs> I think that might actually be on a 6309. So it would probably be a full hour almost on the uh, 6809. Yeah, it is roughly. I did try to make it so that it it complies with the title. You know, zero hour had to take an hour, (laughs) (laughs) preferably. Well, it it was a fun hour to spend uh, because I almost used up the entire time the one time I beat it. But, hey. Yeah, that's right. Can we do this again next year after I figured out how to work everything? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be the game on challenge to play the game. You can play oh, it any time, Rick. Keep playing it. I'm just thinking by next year, I might actually be worth posting my results. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was definitely a fun game. And uh, we've gone over uh, definitely some of the tips and tricks. Uh I definitely found that I needed to do the uh, casino a couple of times when I was playing because I usually ran out of the EMF uh, charges. But 
Um, anybody else uh, that played it have any tips or tricks? Don't die. Don't die. That's <laughs> probably the most important thing in all video games and in life. Well, actually, in this game, sometimes you intentionally die. Yeah, actually, it, dying is not that bad sometimes. It's not that bad. It's actually one of the one of the tactics, isn't it? Just don't do that in real life. Well, yeah, yeah. Don't and, decide and, that, uh, yeah, oh, I want to get somewhere quicker. I may as well just die. <laughs> <laughs> I really, can I say, I really like the mechanic of I'm falling, but I'm calm. I'm falling, but I'm calm. I'm falling, but I, oh, crap. <laughs> Rage quit. <laughs> now I do have to say that by the uh about the fourth or fifth playthrough in a row that I wasn't winning, I got a little sick of David Ladd's voice. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> but yeah, and uh then when uh we played it on uh just let me bring that up we played it on the live broadcast we had up to four players playing it and uh one of them was even nick himself yeah and i was the loser i got the worst <laughs> points <laughs> and we actually two of the players uh during the live broadcast actually made it to the final screen and beat the final screen so that was uh sloopy yeah. and myself so yeah, that was good. I was quite happy that I I actually beat a video game and I beat it live on the air. So <laughs> and in front of the author. Yeah. Well, That's with right. the author's help actually. <laughs> <laughs> Nick gave a little bit of coaching on the final screen, so Um yeah, so definitely a really fun game if people have not picked it up yet. I definitely recommend getting this and uh yeah because uh it is definitely one of the gems on the coco three and it requires 512k 512k and it works on a 6809 or a 6309 runs a little smoother and quicker on the 6309 and i guess a joystick it also requires a joystick a joystick and um it can be a one or two button joystick. It supports either. And a mute button. <laughs> and a mute button, yeah. And it supports composite as well if you have a, only have a composite monitor. Yes, but if you're playing it in composite, make, make sure you have the right palette because it really burns the eyes if you're in the wrong composite palette. Well, yeah, yeah you've got to choose uh, the mode. Really bright pink, I believe it uh, shows. Well, that's uh, that's a, a composite monitor, but running the RGB mode. Yeah, that's. that's... Uh, no, I was uh, I was in the wrong composite uh, mode on my computer, running it in composite, oh. and. Uh, oh, okay. Without uh, having changed the mode, it was uh, just some earth-shatteringly sore eye. Well, I mean, the Coco does that anyway with any game. You can get some earth-shatteringly ice-bleeding colors out of it, <laughs> which I think is probably the reason it was called the color computer. Not necessarily <laughs> good colors. <laughs> <laughs> Just lots of them. <laughs> All right. So that was Zero Hour. Does anybody else have anything else they want to say about it? Nick, any uh, other thoughts you have on it? or 
Uh, not really. It's, it's probably the game that's taken me the most time to do solely because of the fact that every level was a, essentially a little mini game. So it just took a bit longer. I was glad to get to the end of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> As I was levels. playing it, but yeah, now, yeah. now getting back to it, you got to, it's definitely one of those games you want to go back to and think, okay, well, if I do this differently, I can save some time. I can do this. I can do that. Then there's the really frustrating screens where you die with like one or two spots left to go, but you have to go through the whole screen to get back to them. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a bit of that, uh, what's that other game, um, minor, uh, that minor game that uh, is well known for that sort of thing. Uh, oh, uh, Manic Miner? Um, manic Miner, yeah, it's a bit of a yeah. Manic Miner thing where it can be frustrating. But at least on this one, you can exit a level. If you can't do it, mm-hmm. get out of the room and go to another one. Well, that's, how, that's how I managed to do it. I got, I got yeah. good in the uh, levels in the order in the order that I found them to be easier or harder. You can just go to another room and just relax before you kill someone. (laughs) So, yeah, a really fun game. So our next game, I guess it's time to show, is one that you can do on the Coco 1, 2, or 3 does anybody recognize this game? Uh, it's a Phoenix clone, is it? Um, I forget what it's called, though. And this is the game right here. Demon Seed, ah, uh, yes. So a nice little, after, after all that uh, logic and uh, everything else, we're going with a good straight-up shooter. That's right. Oh, and Buck Owens put something in the messages there. One of my all-time gaming experiences was playing the final level for this game. There is no instructions for the level in the manual. Well, of course, he's talking about zero hour. Oh, okay, yeah. Successful, but I think Nick watching my thought process and struggling has led him to include the instructions in the manual. Yeah, when I first gave him a, 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 a copy to evaluate, it didn't have anything about that final level. So, mm-hmm. And he worked it all out himself, what to do and everything. So, yeah, he liked that. But I did put a bit of at least a one-sentence description of what to do. But, uh, yeah, Demon Seed was also available on the TOS-80 Model 1 oh, originally. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we should uh, – probably find the video on that sometime to uh, to compare it next week. Oh, well, uh, I don't have a Model 1, so I can't... Uh, there might be a YouTube video about it. I, I'm not I sure. I could look but, it up or try and get in contact with somebody that has a Model 1, see if they can make up a video for that. Uh, just to compare the evolution of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and I uh, think it's the same authors. Let me just quickly look up what game that was actually based on phoenix i think it is i'm it might have been i thought it was something different though let me i don't know let's ask ron delvo was it phoenix you're in arizona right (laughs) (laughs) uh just checking l curtis boyle's website because he's the 
be all and end all of knowledge on these things. No clue. Uh, it's right at the bottom, of course. Just give me one second. I'll just keep randomly talking till I find it. There we go. Oh, yeah, it is Phoenix. So you're correct. Ah. Phoenix from 1980. Now, I think I found a, a video of the TS80 version of Demon Seed. Okay. You can post a link to that in the uh, gaming channel, and then I can uh, use it next week. Yeah, now we can, we can watch that next week when we uh, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that is the game for next week. And, uh, yeah, that's everything I have to say. So, so Ken, uh, that's what one of the requirements of being a sports newscaster is being able to keep speaking until you think, can you think of something to say. Well, I, I just randomly talk. You did well. Yeah, exactly. You did well. <laughs> that's hard. Vamp. Most of what I say is just random nonsense. So there's no real change. That's as why you fit in so well here. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, not sure AC's ready yet, or if not... Yeah, I am ready. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then on to AC, then. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen as soon as you stop, Ken. Uh, I should have stopped. Okay. Yeah, I think he is. Anybody? There? Let's see if it'll let me share my uh, HDMI OBS window. Can you see the cocoa screen there? Yes. Yep. Okay. I don't know how to get rid of the frame that's around OBS. So hopefully you can see enough of it there. Okay. I see a thumbs up from Rick Uland. <laughs> I also figured out why I couldn't get this to come up a moment ago. I had to, uh, my computer would only support either my uh, webcam or, or this. So I figured you'd be more interested in seeing the Cocoa screen than, than my video camera anyway. Um, so my update is about Cocoa DV. So, you know, the Cocoa digital video board that, uh, that uh, attaches to the VDG socket and extends the capabilities of the VDG. Uh, it's been a while since I've talked about this or had any updates on it. So um, I was right in the middle of some updating on it, and I thought I'd share uh, some thoughts about about an idea that I have for a new feature, um, and maybe get some feedback from from people about it. So this is the actual this is my Coco Two, and I'm outputting it on, on HDMI over to this window. It looks a little stretched horizontally. I think that's I think that's OBS stretching the aspect ratio out. Um, but um, so so this is just uh, this is one of the T1 BDGs. So you know if you poke in the right commands, you could go in. You could see the uh, the lowercase characters. Okay, so that changed the the border to all green and. You know, here's normal characters. Because and we don't have enough green. Yeah, because there's not enough green, right? 
yeah, it's never bright enough or or enough of it. So uh, <laughs> crank up the crank up the tent there. And uh, so if if I shift zero now, this used to be this would normally have been you know the the reverse characters, but with the T one, it's the lowercase stuff, right? With with the drop descenders, you could see there like with the the semicolon or the comma. So pretty neat stuff. Um, let's see, do I still have my program in memory? I hope I do because I had to also disconnect drive wire to uh, connect all these USB things to, uh, yeah, it's still in there. Okay. Okay. So um, I would say for probably four or five months now, I've been thinking about what if we had tile graphics, tile-based graphics on the Coco. So uh, tile graphics are, you know, instead of thinking of your graphics display as 256 by 192 pixels or on a Coco 3, instead of thinking of 512 by 200 or whatever, if you thought of it as a grid of 8 by 8 tiles. So, um, so I was thinking about that sort of in the back of my head, and then someone on Discord piped in and said, hey, we really need tile graphics on the Coco. We need scrolling and all those things. So with tile graphics, you would view the, the Coco's normal text screen. Uh, it would be like 16 rows by 32 columns uh, because the, the Coco's tile, so to speak, or its character. So, you know, if I, if I type a character, that character actually occupies 12 high by 8 wide. So it's sort of a you know, a tall, uh, a, a tall tile, so to speak. But traditionally, tiles were more square, so they were eight by eight. So if you think about the NES and the way it renders graphics, uh, or the, the Commodore 64, um, it's not rendering 256 by 192. You know, that's a lot of, of bytes and bits to, to update to, to make an image. So no, it's actually working on tiles. So a tile has, um, uh, you know, you're, you're looking up images from a ROM. So in ROM, you might have 256 possible eight by eight characters that you can create to make your graphics image. And you need only program uh, that many tiles and manipulate that many bytes of RAM. So uh, instead of 256 by 192, you would have, you know, a width of maybe 32 and a height of 24. So what is that? I think that's about, I think that's 768 bytes. So instead of manipulating about 6K bytes, you only have to touch about 768 bytes. Um, so the advantage of tile graphics would be speed. And, uh, and you, also, you can also have colors with tiles. So every byte on the screen has the byte that looks up the, you know, the 8x8 character that you want to display and another byte to tell what colors, how to, you know, how to interpret that. So there's, there's a portion of color RAM and there's a, a portion of, of tile RAM. So um, let's go into mode one here. So mode one changes... So we kicked in the tile mode, and now we're in an 8x8 eight eight tile, and it's just looking up the characters from the VDG's ROM. So these are the, the 96 characters in the, in the standard, well, in the 
in the 6847 T1 character ROM. Uh, so it's looking them up and it's applying a, a color, uh, a color byte as well to each of, of the tiles. Okay, so um, notice the, the border, uh, the border is still there. It's white, border's white. But we're 32 columns wide and we're 24 rows tall. Okay, so I'm going to bounce back what's, to what's this running on right now? This is running on a Coco 2. Coco 2, right. Yes. So how are you getting the uh, 24 characters vertically? Okay, so 24 instead of, see, normally it's 16, right? Yeah. So the way that it's getting 24 is it's taking the, the normal RAM area that's, that the VDG sees, and it's just reinterpreting it as 768 bytes that are arranged in 24 rows by 32 columns. So it's just a reinterpretation of, of the memory that already passes, you know, from, from Coco RAM into the VDG. Uh, so I'm actually in P mode four right now. So uh, you're in the Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, you, to... so you, you know, you go in, you go into a mode. Uh, you could do this from from really any mode that has 768 uh, bytes. So um, you cannot do that in the normal in the normal text mode because I think it's no. a what is it? It's 32 by 16, so it's it's 512 bytes. So I just shift it up into a higher mode so that there's more memory available to the VDG. Um, now, let's see. So, so this is one of the most... Uh, oh, okay. So what happened now is I pressed enter. And, and what normally happens is it, it calls a disk program that, that reverts the screen to the normal text screen. But I had to disconnect my drive wire, so um, it's all messed up. So it can't load that program. Let me see if I can work my way back into um, the second mode here. Okay, I, I can't, without being able to see that menu, I can't seem to get it into another mode. So what I'm working out here is, can I, uh, first of all, open up the character ROM so that you can program in any 8x8 eight eight tiles that you'd like. So instead of having characters and, and numbers, you could have uh, game, game background and game graphics. And instead of being limited to 24 by 32, you could go you know, 25 by 40 or 32 by 30 or really any other aspect ratio of tiles that that could still fit into the, you know, into the composite video or the, the, the VGA video space. So that's pretty much my update. And, um, and, and this like is I said, I'm right no, in the middle. No hardware. So th this is, uh, this is all hardware actually. No, this is, none all of this right. is emulated. Yeah, this is all hardware. So this is a real Coco 2. Uh, with a real VDG, 
but with the Coco DV board added into the VDG socket. Right. Yeah, so it's all hardware. Yeah. I think the Coco VGA does this sort of thing. Yeah, I think it does. I uh there's there's a uh, wide there's a wide text mode. Is that right? Yeah, I haven't got a Coco VGA, yeah. I thought it could do 32 or 64 column. Text. I think you're right. Yeah, I don't actually have one of my own, but yeah. I, I think yeah, I was thinking the same thing that it does have a wide Yeah. Um I I wonder if I don't know if it has tile graphics behind it though. I I don't know if it has I think it does. I think you can program the characters and make your own characters but so that uh yeah. Okay, so uh, I've just kicked it into uh, menu option eight. So this is 80, 80 columns wide. How many tall? I think it's 30. I believe this is 30 by 80, 30 rows by 80 columns. Or, or Actually, have you counted it? Because I, I don't understand how you get 80 column. I can understand why you, how you get the 64. So is that actually... 80 or is it 64? That's actually 80. Uh, whether okay. I'm, you know, I may be in the wrong mode right now, but uh, I have a 64 wide mode and I have an 80 wide mode. So the, the way you get to 80 is the same way that the Coco 3 gets to 80. Right, yeah. It's the, it's the same thing. It's the, the um, <clears throat> that there is, uh, so there's, uh, there are pixels there in in the NTSC field, you know, in the frame. The Coco 2 just didn't utilize them, but the Coco 3 mm -hmm. did. So this is just like what the Coco 3 does. It it just uh, makes finer. It uses a, a, a higher clock, and it just divides each, you know, each eighth H sync, each horizontal line. It just divides it into into faster pixels. Right. So, so G on the top line is column 40, and that's only about halfway across. So, so it is an 80 uh, column, yeah. Yeah, so this is, this is 80 by 30. Yeah. Uh, and that's, so that's 2,400 bytes. Um, so I'm in, I'm in P mode 4 so that I get the full 6K memory space. You know, I can use up to 6K, and I'm using 2,400 bytes of it to uh, store the text. So, yeah, I, I understand. I, I never thought the, the 6847 could do this. So what what other hardware have you got on there? So I've, I've taken the 6847 out of the socket, and I've yep. plugged in CocoDV, and then I've plugged the 6847 back into my CocoDV. So the so DV is is a board you've made that's got an FPGA. That's right. Ah, so you're adding these extra modes. Now I get it. Yeah, right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, I probably that's should have started good, yeah. back at uh, <laughs> probably should have started back at, at ground zero. But I knew a few a few folks had heard about Coco DV or seen the videos that I put up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Coco. So, yeah. So Coco DV is uh, it's. It's, uh, 
you know, it's backwards compatible. It has all the existing modes of the, the Coco 1 and 2, including the T1 version of the 6847. But I've added the sprites capability and yep. some sound and, and now tile graphics are uh, about halfway in. Right. Yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah. I'm already at Take My Money. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to. So uh, my final update there is I I took four people's money and I owe them uh, four Coco DVs and I'm going to get those out in the mail. Uh, what this is May coming up. Those should be going out in May. So uh, what ended up happening was you know there was the global FPGA shortage and I put on the brakes and said, I'm just going to develop sprites for a while and play around with it and work on features and, and wait for the global crisis to, <laughs> to come to an end. Uh, so Hope I had didn't. a few, yeah, it didn't, we're still in the middle <laughs> of it apparently. And, uh, but I had a few pieces of remaining stock of, of FPGAs. So I built eight Coco DVs in, I think it was February. And uh, around the, the new year, um, a, a game, one of the game programmers contacted me on email and uh, said, hey, I would really like to you know, just put my money in and, and reserve a spot for whenever one becomes available. And I said, well, I could use some seed money to, to help uh, build a small batch. Uh, let's go for it. And then uh, three other people sort of gradually – you know, just randomly popped in on email or, or YouTube and said, Hey, could I, could I pre-purchase one as well? So, so there are four people that, that bought one and, uh, I have eight ready to go. And my last update to the guys was, Hey, they're ready. I'm just carving out a little bit of logic space for a possible new graphics mode. I'm checking that out and I'm going to do some final testing and, and get those those boards in the mail pretty soon. So I really would love to say that the global shortage is over and, and we can unleash a few more, you know, build 10 more or 15 more or something, but uh, we're in a little bit of a holding pattern at this point in time. So are those extra four available for sale? They are. Um, I just I haven't advertised it because... I wanted to first make sure that I could actually build all eight of them, and that worked out. So, yeah, so there are four available. Um, I would love it if another game programmer would would sign up for <laughs> one of them. <laughs> because if you if you saw my version of Pac-Man, um, it's a proof of concept, you know, just yeah. to show sprites off. But I haven't finished it yet. Um, I left it in the, the state where the ghosts can chase, and Pac-Man can run around and eat dots and rack up points, but um, I just haven't made the intro screen. I haven't made uh, the second level, and a couple. There's a couple of special features. You know, I need to can implement you show us? the. Can I show? No, I can't right now because. Um, well, okay. I I could show it. I can't show it live because I turned off sprites so that I could uh, put other logic temporarily in the FPGA for debugging. So I, there's debug logic in the FPGA right now in those sprites. Have you got a picture of the board you can show us? Sure, sure, sure. So let me see. 
Uh, here's a uh, stylistic picture of it, but I can probably show a real picture. Uh, I posted a YouTube video of your initial prototype, and so it's in the. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. The first one that I that that comes to comes to me here is a is a is an artist <laughs> artist rendering. Uh, let me show that. So I need to share share a different window here. Do a new share. Okay. Uh, what is? Why are there two? Okay. Anyway, I think this should yeah, bring. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, I can see it now. Okay. Uh, let's see. This this is the this is version one. This is this is the version where. Okay, so obviously there's the socket where you would plug in the real VDG up the top, and um, the BGA, you know, the FPGA is not installed in the photo. This isn't even a photo. This is just a 3D image that came out of the CAD tool, which is it's a render. Really, yeah, rendering. It's a really cool feature of of modern CAD tools that you know can that can render this. Um, but this was Rev One, where it still had a micro HDMI connector in the bottom left. Uh, Rick, this is the one that you were uh, that you were joking about. It's uh, you know the connector's crooked. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But I had to do that because I needed it to fit in Coco One and the early Coco Two, and then the first Korean Coco Two, and then the last Coco Two. They were like. I didn't realize how many different – it's sort of like the keyboards, right? How many different keyboards are you trying – you're probably pulling your hair out trying to fit – trying to upgrade all those keyboards, right? Well, there's just as many main boards as there are different revs of keyboard, if not more. So, so you had to get around the post. Yeah, there's a post. So in Coco 1, you have to saw off that fifth post in the middle of your Coco 1. And <laughs> – <laughs> So I am I am someone who uh, loathes modifying the original thing, right? I, I really like I don't like to poke a lot of holes in the back of the case. I don't like to to uh, mar the you know I don't like to damage things. So it really it really hurt me to cut that fifth post off. But I was afraid that you know the Coco One would would become all flimsy, but no chance. It is so solid, you could still rest a monitor on top of the old gray case and it wouldn't cave in even with that fifth post missing. I mean, that is some beefy plastic. Let me tell you. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Coco one, you cut the fifth post. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Korean model of the, of the Coco two, where the, it was one of the old ones where the RF can stood vertically. Does anyone know about, you know, there's yeah. a flat That's mounted. The US version, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Korean ones are flat. U S ones are vertical. So, in, okay. Maybe not the last, the most recent version that I know of is the one with the T1, and it still had – it went back to the flat-mounted RF modulator. But in somewhere in the, the early to middle ones, there was this vertically-mounted RF modulator, and it's just in the way of everything. So you actually have to remove your RF can on that one model of Coco 2. But other than that one, you can still have RF out – at the same time as HDMI out. So that's really handy when I'm 
testing a new graphics color or you know some new mode. I want to be able to see the original view on my on my old TV and RF side by side with the HDMI screen, and I can look for for problems. So uh, yeah, so on on all but that one model, you can keep your RF can and just add this to the to the main board. Um, cool. Hmm. Right. Um, so, um, hmm. the side by side thing was interesting. So I was for a long, the longest time I just, I've been using my cocoa with only HDMI for like over a year now, right? I just, it's my daily cocoa. I just always turn on the computer monitor, turn on my cocoa two, and then bam, you know, I'm just, you know, working at HDMI. So getting these four boards ready to ship out, I decided to go back and do a regression test to make sure I had, hadn't uh, broken anything don't you know, after that. adding. What's that, Rick? I said, don't, don't ever do that. <laughs> so, so I went back to the very first, you know, semi-graphics for SG6, SG, some of those things that I did in the beginning, and I found broken things. There, I think there were three little bugs that I had introduced and there was one thing, one or two things that I had never, never had right in the, from the beginning, and it just had never noticed it. So, um, one things like the border color. Um, if I was in P mode four, the border should either be you know the green or the buff, depending on if you're in color set zero or color set one. And uh, I just noticed I was looking at the TV the RF on the TV and I'm like, Oh look at the, the border's not buff. Uh, I think I went down into one of the lower P modes. Like, Oh look, the border's not buff. What's going on here? Um, so yeah, that was just a, a color option that I had just never noticed. So I went back and fixed that. Uh, and, and sprites had broken a thing or two in, in something, something to do with the, the T1 features uh, and, and lowercase or inverse, something like that had gotten swapped. So yeah, it was a good idea to go back in regression tests and, and find those little things that, that people would eventually bump into and, and complain about. Hmm. So does, does this board of yours only work with the T1 Chips. No, it'll work with either one. So uh, what I'll do right. is, you know, when you place the order, I'll have you state whether you would, you know, prefer the original or the T1. I mean, actually, not prefer. It's you have to have you have to have it specific for one or the other because the pinout's different on the BDG. Right. Yeah. But one cool thing is, if you have the original Coco One or Two. You can turn on T1 mode, and it just emulates that uh, the character set of T1 and, and the border colors and everything. So you can you can put your old 6847 in T1 mode. Right. Um, yeah, that was a pesky thing that they did. Is they decided that they wanted to save a couple of ICs on the main board, so they pulled in a couple of buffer chips into the, the T1 
And I guess while they were at it, they're like, oh, let's just go ahead and rearrange the, uh, the eight data pens. You know, why not? Because we can. It's a new chip, right? So they scrambled D0 through D7 uh, that comes from main memory. And uh, <laughs> so if you, uh, if you tell me that you have a, you know, say you have an original 6847 and I program it that way and ship it to you, uh, but you actually had a T1, all your characters will be scrambled and it'll look like garbage. So they, you know, thanks a lot, Tandy or Motorola, uh. whoever decided to do that. But okay, and the other thing that I'm going to do is, uh, you know, you might want to change, you might want to pop it into a different Cocoa someday. So I'm also sending a programming cable with the board. So you could just repro, you can just reflash it with, uh, the other one, if you change your mind later. So, uh, you know, it won't be set in stone. And that's also, you know, I'm also shipping the programming cable because I expect there to be bugs. And I hope they're my, I think they're minor. Um, Cause like I said, I've been using it every day for over a year and I'm, I'm noticing fewer and fewer problems and mistakes. And uh, also, you know, tile, tile graphics will come out at some point, and I'd like for for those early adopters to go ahead and be able to download the new version with tile graphics. Right. And, uh, yeah, there could be other features that we uh, tweak. So, I, you know, I had mentioned that there was a game programmer who bought the first one. Uh, I would expect that that he would have some input as to how the sprite block is set up. So, you know, a sprite has an XY location and it has uh, four color settings. So it has this little memory block dedicated to it. And I've set it up in a certain way that made sense to me and that worked for Pac-Man. So, you know, someone with more experience with sprites may say, hey, can you, you should have rearranged these the way these bytes are laid out so that it's, I don't know, maybe so that it's faster to update them during VSync or whatever the situation is. But I expect there could be some feedback from a real game programmer that, you know, knows a lot more than I do about the software side of things. Uh, and color, you know, palettes. The, the, the palettes are programmable. So, you know, the Coco has four colors for text and foreground and background, and it has the eight colors plus black, and then it has artifact colors. But all those are reprogrammable on Coco DV so that, you know, you can load your own palette and you can decide, you know, what 24-bit colors that, that you'd prefer to use for those, what is that, about 20 different, there's probably about 20 different colors color settings in the palette as it is today. Uh, there's about 20 or 20 or more colors that you can reprogram with whatever you'd like them to be. Uh, so so I, I figure that at some point someone will say, hey, can we make this, uh, this thing in the palette adjustable or the, the other thing? So, um, so we'll be able to reprogram the, the logic into the VDG with, with this programming cable if things like that arise. 
And I think that's about it for my updates, unless anyone had any other questions on it. Yeah, when does the next run come out? The next one? Um, is the next update or the, the, next, the next batch of hardware, next batch of boards? The next batch of these, because I'm going to want one. Okay. Um, so I have four right now on hand, and... I would love to be able to make some. I could make them now if FPGAs were available. Um, I also have an idea for for a way to get out of this this uh, unobtainable FPGA and into another one that is obtainable. So I, I'm probably going to be working on that uh, for the next month or so, uh, just to see if um, you know, just see if there's another option for that. Well, there is another option that I found, and just to actually try that out. I'll probably build some boards to, to breadboard it up and, and make sure that that will pan out. And then hopefully I could get away from the, uh, the FPGA crisis. Cool. Hey, we got a couple of questions in the chat. Um, uh, Tom Eric Gunderson is asking is, will this work on a PAL machine? Um, I think it would, if I had a PAL machine that, that I could borrow from someone, I'd pop it in and uh, set it up for a PAL. Because I think what I need to do is, you know, the, the counting is different. There's a different number of uh, a vertical, vertical uh, yeah, the lines. Frame rate's different. A, yeah. The frame rate's different. So, you know, it'll run at 50, 50 frames instead of 60. And I believe, what is it, more lines? There are 525 lines in an NTSC field of frame. And I think six. PAL has six. Something. Yeah. 625. So I need to just pop it in one and, and, and just adjust the, the counting, um, the counting of the Maybe rows. There may also be a physical limitation as well. Like I, I think maybe the PAL boards are differently laid out of it. Okay. Yeah. Like you, you, you might need a riser board to, to get up, you know, to get to build the height up to get away from some obstacle or something like that on the main board. You're so if it. anyone, I, so I don't actually own. I probably have twelve cocos or something, but but they're all NTSC machines. If anyone would want to send a PAL to me, so I could just you know proof it out, and then I could send that machine back. Or actually, I would buy one if, if someone has one that they could let go. I've I've actually wanted to own one, and I uh, could just you know take that from off of someone's hands if they have an extra. Okay. The other question is how much. Uh, the first one went for um, what was it? I think it was 115 plus the cable. The cable is that's 115 US. The cable was eight dollars, so uh, so 123. Scrolling through, let's see if there's anything else. There's a question about does it work on PAL systems? Yeah, we just answered that one. Okay, cool. I missed that. Sorry. Oh, I think that's about it in chat. It's all thing I'm seeing here. So does it work on PAL? Maybe. It, pro it probably would, <laughs> but I need to try it out try and machine. see what the, uh, the counting, what the, um, you know, 
I was thinking about this one time and I thought, wait, isn't there, a, is there a special VDG for, for the PAL machine? I don't think I, you so. Know, no. I think it's the same VDG. There might be yeah. something different on the main board as, you know, how, but I think that would be the outputs of the VDG. Yeah. I think going to, isn't their clock slightly different to make it? Yeah, it's 50 hertz instead of 60, and, but isn't it, that in the... So that's, yeah. that's the same, just the clock's different in that. The initialization so, routine's probably different. But it, it, it switches all that, over. Yeah, I mean, Rick, you're probably right. It's Our clock, our main crystal is running at 14.31818 megahertz, and theirs is running at, I don't know if it's 16 megahertz or what it is, but um, but it divides down, and there's they end up hitting a 50 hertz frame field rate. Well, there's your um, field. I don't know. I mean, like, is maybe the row counting is all the same. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just, you just need a new angle for your HD connector. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> the new angle is going to be, uh, you know, it goes straight up. <laughs> and that's but, easy. You just drill a hole on top of your case. Yeah. And who would, who would not hate that? Turbocharge, right? Like the you know the the breather coming out of uh, wait a minute Rondelvo's hood yeah. of the car. Well, wait a minute, who leaves the top on there, Coco? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I'm staring at. I have five right now within reach. Three of them have the tops off. Of course, right. all yeah. of my case screws are taped under the keyboard to the bottom case. So if I exactly, I, I have a little. I either have a strip of. Uh, a painter's tape holding them in there or a little Ziploc baggie in there. Yeah, that's a common trick. Okay, cool. Okay, I'm going to stop sh screen sharing and attempt to plug my web camera back in. All right, well, uh, let's see. Uh, Mark, you ready to try the news? Uh, yeah, I have the uh, game news stuff queued up, the web things here. I can see if I can share my uh, web browser window. Um, okay. Um, you want to do the Dragon stuff? Uh, yeah, this is great. Have... It's pretty okay. Dragon stuff. It's uh, it's uh, two on the Dragon, World's Dragon, one on the Spanish site, and then three uh, videos. So, All right. And that should cover all the game, uh, all the game news. So let me see if and I can did, share did here. Did you want me to do the other ones? Yeah, I'll let you do the other ones. I haven't queued those up, so since you okay. already got them. So. Yeah, I got it. Okay, queued. well, let me see if I can get this to share. I tried this earlier when, when we were doing something else, and it's uh, locked up, and I tried canceling. So, Okay, let's see if I find the right window here. ADG converted games. Okay, there we go. Hit the share button, see what happens. Okay, we have. Uh, can you see my screen up? Uh, yep. Oh, I haven't done the uh, intro yet. Oh, Flip yeah, roll, roll it. Roll that beautiful yeah. footage. All right. Uh, oh, we're just going to go right into the rear, rear full news here. Whole thing to combine together. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El Christmas. And now a Muppet News Flash. Okay, and substituting for El Curtis Boyle will be Mark and Mark. Uh, hey there. So I haven't tried this before, so this might go really poorly. So uh, please, you know, rate me app appropriately on our app. Okay. So uh, since I have a login to the World of Dragon archive and uh, 
access to the uh, Dragon Group on Facebook, I was nominated. Okay, so our first story. Oops, I guess you pulled my script up here. That'll teach you. <laughs> it was more like, you're going to do this because you're the only one that uh, seems to know. I can. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, so our first one, you can see uh, World of Dragon Archive screen here, uh, AGD uh, Converted Games. So uh, Paris Rat and is it Keys Van Oss? have announced AGG Converted Game Pack number 54, which features a special version of the AGG engine that supports smaller 8x8 sprites. This allows more but smaller sprites on the screen at once. Uh, the games in this pack are Little Fish Big Tail. Uh, let me switch to the uh, window here. Let's see if it clicks along, I hope. Yeah, there we go. So this is the Spanish site that has pictures. So I'm going to do these out of order because the pictures are in different order. So this first one here is The Legend of the Frog Prince. There we go. That's the last one. Hopefully everybody can see that. Uh, and this looks like, I think, Legend of the Frog Prince still here. This looks a little bit like Puyan with the uh, levels and stuff. Yeah, this is all Legend of the Frog Prince. If anybody wants to go back, please tell me. There's some nice looking graphics, actually. Oh, this is little fish here, so yeah, little fish. That's oh, legend. Little fish. Lots of screenshots here. Oh, okay, looks, I, looks, I found look, where you're at. Okay, sorry. The, so the pictures are different order than the script. So um, yeah, so you can see that it looks almost like um, like your submarine game or like a race game where you got a path you have to go down. Between the edges. Uh, here's Mage Rage. Yeah, okay, there we go. Of course, they're all in black and white. Oh, the, the screens are titled. This is Creepy Glade. Oh, and a cursed place. Gloomy Lair. There's Moon Ranger. Looks like keyboard and joystick. Nice. Ah, there we go. Little moon buggy. Hmm. I guess I should mention the AGD uh, games are converted from us at the Spectrum. These are converted from. So they're basically writing a, a local interpreter to handle the whatever lang proto language they use. Ratatat. So something about this one uh, uses a smaller sprite. Uh, on this particular version of the uh, ADG engine, or AGG. Let's look at that. Oh, yeah, look at that. So this one apparently supports the, an 8x8 sprite, which gives you more, but smaller sprites on the screen at once. A little bit better granularity. Mm -hmm. This almost looks like Mario with different things and the floating stuff. And road tripping, I think this is the last one. So, oh, it's like a race game. The streets, the Philippines. Oh, they're different areas. Toledo, Spain. Mm -hmm. Burbank, California. 
Okay, that's the end of the screenshots there. And it's actually, I think that's the next one. So, okay, well, anyway, there's the pictures, uh, World of Dragon Archive. If you don't have a login, get one. Uh, because, again, these play on the Coco as well as the Dragon, so there's no reason why you can't get a login and tune in. Okay, next story. Um, so this is Curtis's uh, writing. It says, I missed this when it was released on April 14th, but Ray on the World of Dragon Archive posted... A dragon utility menu for XROAR. Dragon MMC and Coco SDC contains 421 games and 97 utilities that you can access through the menu system on a real hardware or the XROAR emulator. And this is the new story here on World Dragon. And there's actually attached zip files where you can download the stuff. So World Dragon is kind of like the uh, Dragon uh, Dragon Data's uh, you know main website where everything happens, and also their archive of uh, games and magazines and and news. So it's a good thing to get on, even if you don't have a dragon. I have a Tano dragon, so I felt uh, I could legitimately join. But yeah, you should all join anyway, just because. Hmm. Uh, number three, Jim Gary. Oh, wow. Jim Gary has more games. I'm shocked. Uh, what a surprise. For the exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, these, uh, these particular games, we have Poco Rally, uh, Night Driver, which is a Night Driver-style game originally by Dean Mackey and Peter Lear in 1986 from the book Color Computer, Exploring the TRS-80. And color is spelled correctly, if you're Canadian. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think I shared sound, so if I play the video, you're not going to hear anything. Um, let, me, let me stop the sharing and reshare the sound here. Doop, doop. Okay. It's safe. Okay, there's share sound. Oh, and optimize for video clip. There's another option. Cool. And there we go. Poco Rally. Got it. Okay. Oops. Back to the ring. Okay. Have picture back up again. Yeah, but, but it uh, looks all, pretty fuzzy. I, I turn that other option back off again. Actually, it, it looks fuzzy to me too, but this is just the. Uh, oh. Uh, let me uh, hit, the, hit the play button here so we get. And it's readable. No, yeah. but it's readable. Okay. I have the sound turned up, but there doesn't appear to be anything on it yet, so. Pit stop, please be patient, changing tires. So we'll just pull a little bit out of here. I wonder if it's rendering the screens or something right now. All right. Yeah, I wonder if that optimized for video is chopping it. That could be. I'll try it differently next time. Well, that looks exciting. Guess you ran off the road. Yeah, it looks like it. So loud enough? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do we want to watch any more or go on to the next one? Next. Next. I have a book for next. Excellent. Morty <laughs> from Rainbow Magazine 1990, uh, which is a text-based snake-style game. And here's the video right there. And it does look a little fuzzy, fuzzy in the preview there, but that's looking a little bit better there. So. Saved its compression for the non-important stuff, which is nice. Ah, uh, yeah. Typical snake game. Hit the dots, get longer. There's a Nokia logo. <laughs> Okay, we seen enough? Yeah. Heard enough. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a typical game there. Every time you eat something, it gets longer until you can't put up with it anymore and you crash and then you start over. Okay. Uh, and the last one is Smash Up, which is a 10-line basic game. Okay. wonder how much sound this has. <laughs> can't imagine much. And Smash Up is one of those 10-line uh, line basic games. That's what it says. Oh, it yeah. looks like machine language, though. It's got a... Big data statement. Oh, it's got sound. Sound. Four, three. Looks like more of the same. So do you try to smash them, get rid of them? Your objective is to get rid of all of them? Uh... You <laughs> could be the question. Probably the one that you can control when you move your left, right, up, down. It's probably the one that moves with you instead of just randomly. I don't know. You have to get an MC10 and find out. Well, and that is the last story for Jim Gary. And oh, number four. Um, Nick, did you have anything you want to add? Or we already did it earlier. About we sure. did it earlier. Yeah, no, probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess we're done with the game on news. All right. Uh, let me go ahead and share my screen. Uh, sound. Uh, okay. looks like first up. Uh... Yep. Looks like the first thing is an update in CMOC from... Yeah. Pierre, uh, there's in. Um, yeah, anyway, it looks like they've, uh, added some, uh, floating point. Um, they've added some floating point math. It sounds like, uh, let's see if yeah. a floating point value cannot be represented on the target platform will now show an error instead of crashing math functions, sine F, cosine F, tan F and arc tan F log F. These, I guess are all floating point exponential F square root F fabs F floor F trunk round F have been added. These all call ROM routines and extended basics. So extended basic is required to use these functions. Okay, uh, local static variables are now supported. KNRC functions definitions now are accepted, although they should be used considered experimental at this time. And there is a link in the news uh, articles to his website in case you don't know where it is. Okay. Do remember? Do recall or? Keep in mind that um, this is basically uh, just a, a front-end interpreter, or basically. Um, parses the C-like code and turns it into assembler that uses LWASM for the back end. So you'll need both installed in order to actually get working executables. And there's the installers there. Yep. I like they're grabbing chunks of the basic ROM too to do math for them. That's cool. Might as well. They've already been tried out. So. Right, right. We have them. Yep. And everybody gets them if they have extended basic. So. Although we could okay. probably talk with James Diffendaffer and maybe get some uh, enhanced versions that can then pack into their own library. Then you wouldn't need it. But anyway. Okay. Uh, anything else? Move on to the next story. Yep. And the Coca Crew podcast has dropped, I believe it's number 80 or it's 83. Um, anyway, um, if you check uh, on the, uh, the notes uh, link, you'll see the various stories that are covered in this month's episode. Um, quite a bit of news when I glanced at it. So. It's really good. The Coco is alive and well, and the Dragon too, and there's a lot of stuff going on. 
So interesting that well, when I clicked the show notes for episode eighty three, I got the show notes for episode eighty, and I had to manually edit the URL to get to the show notes for eighty three. Looks mm, like they I fixed them. it. Yeah, oh. I got them right up. So yeah, yeah. This like notice all the news stories. There's a lot of stuff there. That's great. Anyway, I don't, is there anything notable in there that we should mention? I think there was. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Stuff on Facebook and other. Yeah. Well, well, good job. It's always good to have more Cocoa content. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving right. along, uh, story number three here. Uh, Daniel Campos posted pictures of the club color Rico, or Rio, a Cocoa gathering in Rio de Janeiro last weekend that were taken by Luciana Sharp. And there is a Facebook link in our notes. Anyway, that looks great. Oh, look at all those people meeting in real life. Wow. <laughs> you have to remember that the Brazilian market, they were very, uh, Brazil was very uh, internal. There was a huge tariff on bringing uh, technology in. And so pretty much every major computer system back in the day got cloned. There's Apple II clones or Macintosh clones <laughs> and uh, clones of everything, including the color computer. So. Oh, there's even a color computer right there. Also real yeah. color computers, yeah. Yeah, real, well, yep. Yeah. yeah, that one in the middle there is like a A400 or something like that. That thing, yeah. Great one. Yeah. So it does have a nice look. Looks close to a Coco. Yeah, it's got the same type of keyboard, so it's enough to kind of at a glance know what it is. Cool. All righty. Okay, moving along. Uh, number four, Sheldon McDonald. I love Sheldon. He is always doing something new. Um, so anyway, it says updated video running Coco Cad with a Sega mouse on Zipter Zone's PSG card with his own driver. He also goes through the driver code in the video. There's a YouTube link, and there's also a disk image, which you can find on Facebook in the Color Computer group. So it's some in the last uh, 10 posts. He's got three different disks there. So, um, yeah, basically the Sega is more like a traditional, like a... Um, like a Pia, um, my, um, um, IBM type mouse where it g- generates movement messages. Cad, so, so I just shoved it. Yeah, stop. <laughs> so basically, when you move it, it generates uh, like a movement location. So um, luckily, it uh, hooks up to the uh, port on the uh, Zipter's PSG, which has um, uses the I/O feature. There's an eight-bit port on each of the uh, um, um, Yamaha chips um, that can read or write stuff and so basically you can write software to communicate with whatever the device is besides read simple things like a atari style joystick so anyway it looks like he's got it initializing and pulling stuff up and mimicking a mouse which is really cool now it should be possible to uh adapt that and write software so that you could plug one of those sega mice or even possibly a commodore amiga or an atari st mouse into the Coco and just read it via the joystick ports, but not as analog, but read it like as if they're all digital ports, digital signals rather. Yeah, I don't recall in the Commodore mice whether they're digital or analog. I know that the Commodore sixty four, the SID has a, a an analog uh, digital or analog to digital converter, and that's what the paddles use. But I don't know if their joysticks use them. Well, not the digital, yeah, ports, but the mice. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, because the fact it's plugging, it's uh, Sheldon's got it working off the um, PSG, off uh, 
PSG, that's only supports switch mode joysticks. It's a digital input. So makes me wonder if it can be adapted to work with you know directly into the coco if you read the signals well from what i when i looked at it briefly i got a psg a couple of years ago and so did david ladd when we're looking into it um it is digital and the simple like this sega pads just use direct discrete inputs like the left right up down but the um, the the six button mode is that there's actually a communication protocol. You actually pulse some lines, and then you actually read certain lines, and you can read stuff back. So there's actually like a, I don't know if it's a microcontroller, but it's definitely got some oh, logic right. on it. So I'm sure oh, the okay. mouse is more like that too. It's got uh, it's got a bunch of information that's exchanged. So yeah, it's actually pretty complicated. I I haven't found anything on right. the Sega mouse, but I have found stuff on the Sega six pad. It's like whoa, you got like so many milliseconds to do this, and you got to do this, and you flip that and read that. And it's like Oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's not trivial, but it can be done. So. Because that would give you a nice flicker, or or, or what do we call it, a jittery-free mouse movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Even even the best, like the forty-nine MCP forty-nine twenty-two, like David Ladd's uh, mouse adapter uses, and and. Uh, and Scott Wentz, Malfunks one, uh, they still get a teeny bit of jitter, like when you're using OS 9, Nitrous 9. Not really bad, but, you know, they're still noticeable. When your mouse is sitting there, sometimes you see the cursor jitter a bit. So, yeah, it'd be nice because this should be only, it should only generate data when it moves, so it should be rock solid when it's not. Yeah, it's more of a digital interface rather than a mm-hmm. analog yep. to the to the, to the Coco. Yeah, Yes, yes. Closer to what a serial mouse is going yeah. to the R2. Sort of, yeah, yeah, sort of, yes. essentially, yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, Zipster still has some Coco PSGs hanging around. I know he had well, 40 or 50, I think he made. So I asked him at one point. So there's a few people that have them. I have a couple. And uh, besides the sound, you know, they've got the, the digital I.O. on them, which is really kind of cool. So, because you can hook those up to a whole lot of things. Anyway, uh, anything else we want to show here? This all looks pretty good. Okay. Okay, moving along to the next story. Ron Klein announced an update to Coco Pie that includes MAME 0.243, which I believe is the latest build. Uh, it includes some Cocoa support, including formatting Cocoa discs, both Deck B and OS 9, and increased range on emulation, uh, Tandy high-res joystick XY coordinates. Thank you, Tim Lindner, for all of that. He's our, he's our guy in our corner for that. And uh, there is a link in our news to uh, this website here, the Cocoa Pie Project. And uh, go ahead and download your stuff. As I recall, it's a complete image. It has everything, including the base OS. So you just have to pull that image down and use something like a Bellina Etcher or something to write it to your SD card. And then uh, stick it in your Cocoa Pie, which I believe uh, Cocoa Pie 3, or sorry, Raspberry Pi 3, Raspberry Pi 4 supported. So uh, if you've got a modern uh, Raspberry Pi, you should be able to just boot the thing right up. Ready for the next one? Yep. Let's go to the next one. Oh, yeah. The next one was me. <laughs> so we can kind of just blow through this. Looks like there will be some, uh, I'll have some boomerang boards and uh, DAT boards, uh, two meg boomerang boards and DAT boards at Cocoa Fest. Plus, I have a handful of other stuff that I've had previously, like proto boards and uh, David Ladd's mouse adapter, and actually some of Scott Wentz's uh, um, USB uh, to uh, uh, 
Coco joystick uh, boards. The Scott's Scott's boards uh, malfunct. Is only uh, he only has software for the um, Xbox 360 wired and wireless controllers, but. Theoretically, Mark B here has some software to read, uh, I believe it's USB mouse, is it? So mm-hmm. that could be added to the front end, hook it to the back end, and uh, you know, pretty quickly, you know, something could be doing USB mice. Also be nice, like mother, I have a Sidewinder, Microsoft Sidewinder joystick. That'd be one of my first targets, or USB mouse, since I have both of those. Don't have any 360 joysticks, so. But anyway, that's already been done. Anyway, um, and again, you can't hook a printer into it. It's not going to work. Uh, but uh, any sort of like uh, device that could be hooked up to your joystick, uh, this would be a possible. Anyway, moving on, um, our very own Ken, Canadian Retro Things, has a video showing his upgrade to his Coco 3 to a 6309. And uh, oh. is he going to singe his hair? You'll have to watch. <laughs> Thank you, Curtis, for blazing the way. <laughs> blazing the way, huh? You may notice my hair looks a lot, much the same in uh, the video as it does now. So that gives you a hint on whether I singed it or not. And this is a 6309 that I bought from Retro Rewind. So, which he has in stock if you're looking for one for your color computer. Excellent. So he's got a socket and a chip. Yep. Yep. Look at that. Machine pin looks like. Machine pin sockets give a nice, good, tight connection. Harder to get the chips in and out, so not recommended if you want to take them in and put them out a lot of times, but better in the long term. Yeah, once you have a 6309 in your uh, Coco 3, what do you need to take it out for? Uh, If you want to test 6809 compatibility. Nah. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice. uh, Nice fade there. So what technique did you use to get your old CPU out? I ended up having to cut the... Uh, clip the leads, yeah. Clip the leads because uh, I was I got mo- a, a good portion of them nicely desoldered, but then a couple of the pads started lifting. Mm-hmm. So I said, screw this, cut, cut, cut. Yep. There. Yeah. Just to be safe. I'd rather wreck the uh, cheap chip than the expensive board. Yeah, there are plenty of MC68B09s out there, or CO9s to I mean, replace them. Honestly, to pull, to pull a CPU, you need a desolderer that's heating while it's sucking. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's nothing less we'll do. And I don't I uh, that. I don't have uh, the, the, the fancy tools yet. <laughs> I didn't burn my hair, so now I can invest in better tools. And, uh, yeah, when it's done, I uh, run some OS 9, uh, basic 09 stuff to test the, uh, to compare the speed between the 6809 um, compatibility mode and the 6309 native mode. So, Also, should put a plug in here for Nitrous 9. Um, very nice that uh, Curtis and uh, Bill Noble, another one of the original uh, authors of Nitrous 9, well, Converters, uh, creators. Um, basically, they've been going through and optimizing a lot of stuff within yeah. Nitrous 9 itself, but also a lot of the games. So when you get one of the Nitrous 9 images you download, even on the 6809, there's a lot of speed improvements. Things just work quicker. I was amazed between, what was it, uh, Beta 5 and Beta 6, how fast things loaded. They optimized the load. Mm-hmm. It like loads in like half the time. It's like, whoa, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. You know, and that's with the same processor. 
So, and of course, if you have a 6309, it runs even better. Yep. So, so yeah, lots this of good speed stuff. test was just doing a bunch of, of random math over and over and over again to see which would go faster. And so 6309 ended up being just right on spec faster. Cool. And then I oh. played Gunstar at the end, too. <laughs> ah, because you could. Exactly. Um, yep, you can find the uh, betas of Nitrous 9 at Elkers uh, Boyle's uh, gaming site. Just look for the links to Nitrous 9 beta. Yep. Okay, and it looks like we have... We, we have anything else here to add, Ken? Uh, go watch the video. Okay. <laughs> Link is in the news. There we go. Oh, yeah, don't forget to like and uh, subscribe. Oh, yes, that too. Like, subscribe, and comment. There we go. Oh, you don't want to hear my... Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, next news story, if we're ready to move on. Oh, wait, what was the... What did you get, about double? Oh, no, you probably got, well, like, a 20% speed up? 30%. 29.1%, I think it was. Okay, yeah, that's about right. Sounds about right. Optimize uh, stuff in 6309 and such. Yeah. Okay, and our last uh, regular news story for the Coco, uh, Alderson Retro Computing on YouTube featured a recently retired programmer getting back to his Coco roots. So far, he has three video shorts on the MC10, the Coco 3, and the Coco Pi, and uh, setting up his Coco STC with the Coco 3. Anyway, there is the uh, channel, uh, our news news uh, for the uh, file for the day has the link directly to it. If you want to go check it out on our Discord under the uh, news stories. And uh, you can go watch these yourself. And I'm glad to see another Coco uh, faithful return to the fold. Okay. That's all I've got queued up. Uh, do you have the dragon? Okay. Uh, we've got the MC10 stuff, which we already covered in the game stuff. And then we've got a couple of dragon stories here. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. We got one for the Facebook dragon group. Um, last week's story Adrian Sinclair working on full size posters of the dragon game artwork. He has received his lunar rover poster, which is a basically 60 by 40 centimeters. Wow. And I do have a Facebook group here, and I am a member. So let me just post that in my. Uh... And then we have one other. It's another YouTube one with Tony Jewell. 60 by 40 centimeters is uh, 23 says, by 16. Yep. Uh, that's what it says. Okay, let me share my screen again. I'm still new at this, so don't yell at me too much. Okay, Dragon Owners Group. I think it's that one. Yeah, probably so. Okay, so here's that. Oh, remember the checkboxes for sure. Okay, you see uh, Facebook group for the Dragon 3264 owners? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, look at that. Wow. We click on that and make it big. Maybe. Oh, there we go. Oh, we got plus sign. Uh, same size with more filling. <laughs> that is nice looking though. It's got kind of a semi-gloss look to it too. So yeah, that would look nice to put those in a frame on the wall, especially with your favorite game. Anyway, um, I'm I'm you know the thing about classic computers and even the including the Coco and the Dragon, is that all of the stuff that went with it and all these games and the artwork and all that stuff, and they were they were art in themselves, literally. Not just because they're a video game, but all the effort and time they went into them. That's beautiful. I'd like that on my wall. Um, they sold a lot of games at Radio Shack, right? 
Uh, I don't know if this one was sold in the U.S. It might have been. No, I, I mean the the artwork. Oh, the artwork. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Just, yeah. It may have looked a little bit better than the actual game and it <laughs> lured people into <laughs> making the purchase. <laughs> yeah, but it's that, that extra little bit that, you know, sold it. Anyway, um, I'm... Uh, I don't know if he uh, was uh, going to sell these or if he was going to give people how to go about doing it or not. So, cool. but Anyway, I guess you can always contact them, Adrian Sinclair. Uh, you'll have to join the Dragon Group, but they're really friendly peaks, folks. Just, you know, tell them when you ask the questions. It's like, you know, that you have into the Tandy Cocoa and it's like the dragons, so you thought there'd be something interesting here. Okay, and one other story here for the Dragon is Retro Tech Archive on YouTube posted a video. Just tell that the Coco pretends to be a dragon. <laughs> it's kind of like a dragon. That case looks familiar. So this is Tony Jewell and Dragon 32. So I don't know what the video is about, so, but uh, I guess we can play a fraction of it here once it uh, loads up. What's that behind him? <laughs> cool. Looks like he's at Cambridge, where they have some sort of a museum thing. Uh, it almost looks like a discrete uh, uh, component computer. Right. Uh, this is a Dragon 32. It's the computer I got for Christmas uh, 1982. I'd had a friend ZX81 for a, a little while before that, and that's, that's kind of what hooked me on programming. But I wanted a real computer, so I wanted to improve on the ZX81. I wanted uh, a computer with a real keyboard. I wanted a computer with sound. I wanted a computer with color. And Without I wanted a computer Z80? with high-res graphics. I also wanted a computer that wouldn't terrify my father when I told him how much it cost. <laughs> and that's what ended up with the Dragon 32. The Dragon 32 was £199. Uh, a BBC Model B was £399. A Commodore 64 was £329. So this was, this was an obvious bargain computer that met all my requirements. ZX81 would be about £50. I was extremely happy to open this on, on that Christmas morning. So, what is a Dragon 32? It's a 32K computer. It's uh, got a 6809 processor, which made it relatively unique at the time. Most other computers had Z80s or 6502s. Yep. It's reasonably fast, reasonably powerful. Um, it doesn't have the best graphics or the best sound of computers at the time, but it was at least initially, one of the cheapest on the market that had a real keyboard and kind of had pretensions of being a professional computer. Why don't you do any more? We got a general idea. Yeah, we'll just have to go see it. Exactly. Links are on our news seg section on Coco Discord. And that is the last of the other news, so we are, should be good. Only two thirty nine ninety nine Canadian. <laughs> Now, the, the Dragon and the Coco really were a great computer for the price. Especially the processor is way ahead of any of the 6502s. Sadly, they didn't really add anything to it. The processor had to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I appreciate it. Taking the news away, I think Curtis is going to have to watch out for his job next week. No, Very good job. No. <laughs> nah, not that great. I'll, I'll let him have it. But I'm glad to know I can be the backup now. 
nicely done. I only got this job because I had like logins to all the things like the uh, Dragon Facebook group and the uh, World of Dragon and stuff. <laughs> because not everybody did. So I have a Tano Dragon, so you know I have an interest. Okay, um, but that was everything I had on the agenda for today. Uh, so we're two and a half hours in. We're going to call this a wrap. Um, unless anybody has anything else uh, they want to go over. I just had a question for Nick Marantes. Has he yep. bought that new Tesla yet? <laughs> <laughs> Matchbox don't make Tesla cars uh, yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. All right. Well, I was late for the, the Game On Challenge for the week, but I did uh, send you the money last evening. So I'm looking forward to zero hour this coming week sometime. All right. Did uh... – did I send you the files already? It, I have to check. It, uh, it would come in through my wife's PayPal, so it could have gone to her email. I'll, I'll go check. Ah, uh, yeah. Because it, it was that probably it's probably a name you didn't recognize. No, no, I didn't. That's why I, I asked because I can't, I don't recall your name. But I did send everyone um, copies of it based nice. on that PayPal email address, though. So. Right, yeah, the last name would have matched, but you probably would have no idea who that was coming from. No, no. If you just send me an email and say, oh, look, can you resend it to this address, I'll send it again if you want. That would be good. I'll, I'll send you my email address. Yeah. Did you order like the uh, digital you order digital the, download? Yeah. The digital, yeah. So it's, it was sent to whatever email the PayPal was. But, yeah, if you okay. want me to resend it to you directly – yeah, just email me and uh, and give me the address, and I'll send it direct to that. Sure, thanks. Hey, AC, what's covered up back there? Uh, let's see what is back there. Oh, that's the uh, the monitor and a Coco Two. The that's the monitor you can see right there. That's the uh, the Magnavox. What is it? Eight CM five fifteen, and the, my Coco Three is. That's my Coco Three and and the Coco Two right beside it. So you you usually cover your stuff when you're not using it. I've started doing a little bit more of that. I I've started actually trying to take care of things. <laughs> I've um, I'm starting to put fan cooling fans on my Cocos inside the cases. Uh, I want to get some some real drop cloths for things. Um, there you go. I have one of those. They get uh, they get crinkly over time, don't they? Yeah, it's they do. Like a, a piece of pasta. What after you do? A few years. What you do is you put it on your cocoa and leave it on for a little bit. Cooking, <laughs> <You> cook <laughs> just a little bit, and it conforms. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Or leave it at the side. That's the trick. So I remember Curtis reporting on someone saying something about the oven on low heat, and he was curious if it would bring one back to life. Has anyone actually tried that? I think it was with with the, the, the dust covers and with the cords that had hardened and different things like that, different plastics. It, it just makes it so that you have to find out how to scrape the plastic off your rails inside your oven. Right. <laughs> You're better off. Better off vinyls, I wonder if some kind of vinyl restorer spray would sort of reply it. Maybe like something vinyl. like the stuff that you spray on your dashboard. Right, right, because it's kind of PVC again, so why not? Yeah. 
Yeah, the other thing I'm going to do is I have this bookshelf right here, and I have my rainbows on the, the bottom three shelves, and, and they're just stacked there, and they're taking UV, and I'm, I think I'm going to put a um, – I'm going to hinge a door over the bookcase so I can just go close the door, and that way if there's – you know, if a pipe breaks or something in the ceiling or, you know, from UV protection and all that, it should keep things nicer for longer. Right. But yeah. Oh, I just noticed a new meme or an old meme or a new meme. With the CM8 monitor door missing, there's the broken off piece of the Tandy disc floppy drive case that's supposed to go under the lock button. Way up on oh, the top there. Oh yeah. There's a little piece of plastic missing under the lock button. That that's just like the missing door on a CM8. Everyone you see has that missing. <laughs> I thought I had a one-off. Darn, okay. <laughs> actually, I hadn't even noticed that, so that's actually broken off. Oh, yeah, the front door on my website. On my website, I've got the same disc case, same door broken off. <laughs> oh, that's, that's hilarious. So Never seen your it dust not. cover will harden. Your floppy <laughs> will break. Will break. And your CM8 door will get lost. CM8 door, and you'll lose all the screws out of the case of your cocoa, but life will go on. Ace Hardware has replacements. If I just told that, Ron. Ace Hardware has replacements if you lose your keys to your case, or your, the screws to your case. Yeah. And, oh, and they're gold, which looks They have nice. the right pitch and everything? Yeah. Oh, They just good. don't know it. I'm just. I'm gonna go in there and uh, take a handful with me and match <laughs> them just up. Take, you take a tall one and a short one and make sure you can match them. That's all. And oh the yeah, got, the ones I got were gold plated. Like, or I don't know, maybe they were. You know, they, they, they sort of have that. They have that loose spiral, and I thought maybe that was Tandy Custom or you know some strange pitch or something. No, that's for plastic. Nope. There. Okay. Is that a what's that multi pack you got there, uh, Aaron? It, Where is it a Tandy one just behind, behind you me? there? That yeah, that's a, your uh, left. This one is that a normal Tandy multi pack? Yeah, it's a newer it's model, thirty one twenty four. No, it's the older one actually. Oh, is it the older one? Okay. Yeah, because okay, is it a spray painted one? It just looks square. No, it's, it's just the angle. Uh, it's, it's brightly lit, so you there don't are see. there are white ones and there are silver ones. Look oh, at the look at the cocoa. Ones. You okay. don't see the kick in its case either. It's mm -hmm. this is blown yeah, out. Yeah, that's what's throwing me. I thought I thought you had a specific um, TDP one there. No, I wish I did. I don't even know if there is one. I don't think they did. No, no. That's no. why when I saw that, I thought, well, maybe they did. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm wondering, has anybody? Uh, since you know, if you do have a uh, multi pack, have you ever lost a door on yours? I, I have never lost a door on mine. No, no, no five of them. My, mine got crushed in my luggage six months ago, Ooh. so the door is still there, but I need to like take it apart and re glue it. It's, all the pieces are there except oh, the not the switch on the front got broken. Well, now you yeah. can you can do a repack, yeah, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need yeah. the key. Yeah, but it won't fit my luggage as well. I've probably got some multi-pack pieces, parts for case repair if it comes down to that. Because I think I can save everything except the uh, the switch on the front selector switch. So I'll dig around because I've got a trillion dead cocoa parts. So uh, okay, I'll hit you up. Sides. 
I think hey, I had a question. Too. So I don't know if anyone was noticing on Facebook that uh, Danielle O'Connor had, uh, who lives in Australia, had purchased a, uh, a sort of a large lot off of eBay. Had a Coco One and maybe a Coco Three, and she was trying to work out shipping. So it was a, a U.S. seller, I think, right. and trying to work out shipping, and that the they, seller needed local pickup only. I was curious if anyone had worked that out and was able to help out there or if, Where was the, or seller if the deal at? fell through. The, the seller has since gone quiet. Um, it may be a scam. I, I had been looking at that same thing, and it was a little too good to be true, and I'm afraid she might have got burnt. Oh, that's but too Jesus. bad. I, I wasn't anywhere nearby, and but I noticed a couple people had stepped in and said, hey, I can, I can help, but just – you got to email me. Right. No, she's brought it up to Facebook. So, or to eBay. So who knows? Okay. Hey, Patrick, do you have a um, reset button for uh model one, um, Coco two? No, model, model ones are so precious. You know, <laughs> none of that. It's just, you know, the black button. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've got a model one. It runs. I'm keeping it. It's mine. <laughs> you, see, you, you see the reset on a Coco one? Yeah. Um, those are still obtainable today. Um, are they really? It's uh, I've got the information on it. It's a, a C and K, and I've got the series, what series it is, and they also have little caps. Yeah, I don't know how I lost it, but um, the other day I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, what's missing on the back there? Hey, I know, and it, you know, it's impossible to get your finger in that little hole if there's no right. button there. Yeah, I'm replacing. I've replaced the power switch on my uh, Coco One. Yeah. And uh, the, the reset switch is just another switch in that same series. So are the buttons the same, do you think? The caps should be the same. So uh, you buy the switch and you get the <laughs> Well, it's a separate piece. So uh, uh, James, uh, I'm trying to think. Mauser, I think, had them. Um, the, the the caps is sold separately from the switch, and the switch you get them in different configurations. Like the power switch is one type, and then the recess switch is another type. But the so it has to do with the pros the they have, right? Yeah, the the, the number of contacts, whether it's momentary yeah. or latching. Uh, most often, though, what happens is the um, on the, the end of the switch uh, that the cap slips onto is what breaks off, and the ta- and the stud ends up staying in the in the cap. Ooh. So well, this one, so you have to replace, replace the whole switch. switch. Well, yeah. this one, you can still see the stud sticking out. It, it's yeah. uh, like a light blue or something. Or yeah, it's got to stick out way past the uh, cover, though. Oh. If, 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 it's, if it's below the cover, then it's broke off. Oh, okay. It's broke off in there. But, yeah, I've got the uh, – I did the research on it, and I've got the – somewhere in my pile of paperwork, I've got the you know the, the spec sheets on the switch. Well, if you think of it, shoot me a um, – yeah, you know, messenger text or whatever. I'd yeah, be interested just, too. What's that? I'd be interested too. There's these little bits and pieces like the screw part numbers, sort of the case and this sort of stuff. Be nice to like stick them in Cocopedia or something so well, people Mr. could find them. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ulan just said that he had all kinds of cocoa pieces and parts. Well, well, right. And I just happened to pick one that you ain't never got. <laughs> <laughs> and we all learned something, so it worked out. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got, Mr. Eulin? Uh, well, 
Because back in the day, I used to fix and repair Cocoa 2s, Cocoa 3s, yeah. multi-pilots. So I've got a pile of cases. I've got power supply transformers, just stuff that wasn't particularly valuable at the time that I threw into storage. And so now I'm just putting it all back together. I got a big box of Cocoa 3 motherboards that are junk at the time, but now some of them should be fixable because they're worth more now than they were back then. So I don't really know what I got. But if people need specific parts, I'll go look and, you know. You mean somebody learned how to take the CPU out on those boards and then botched it maybe? or? Well, and I've got one board where the poor guy heard that the gimme just came. You could pry the gimme out. Oh. He didn't realize that he <laughs> tried the socket off the board. The oh. socket. So I've got a Cobra 3 motherboard with the tops, all the gimme traces ripped off. That, you know. <laughs> so I'm going to call that while I got a salt and I got regulator and I got yeah. so never, heard about these, never heard about these PLCC extractor tools right, right, right. that would have been good yeah it was the switch is the uh, C and K uh, F series and you get the whole spec sheet and configure up a switch uh. as you need and the uh, um, key switch or the buttons are on, available separately wow 40 year old machine and you can get apart it's yeah, it's the F F two switch F O two switch. Uh, it's not the switch. The uh, key cap is the, what matches the uh, Cocoa one, mm -hmm. the round one. But yeah, I'll I'll shoot you over the uh, particular part number. Okay, you know uh, what I was thinking used. Maybe that um, when when I clean the floor, that I'll find it somewhere rolled around, you know, in the corner. So <laughs> yeah, but it'll probably be broke off. So you gotta you yeah. replace the it switch. It can happen. Yeah. You'll have to move, Ron, to ever dig that. Yeah, I know. Though, right? <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm in the garage now, and I gotta, um, I gotta move my crap so I can get to the um, air filter, which is gonna uh, be yeah. Uh, well, Mark, you, know. you moved. Did you ever find anything that you were looking for? Me? Uh, no, no, no my I mean, one, no, like you one. moved so that any long lost things ever get found. Uh, well, no, actually things I knew before I moved a year and a half ago, I still don't know where are. Like one of my MPIs is missing. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so I figure. I, I know where both my Cocoa 3s are and all my Cocoa 2s and my Cocoa 1s and my old Apple II, which is important. Well, it's well here, here's an inter interesting thing you should remember when you move is not to have a fellow Cocoa guy help you move exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. shrinkage yeah just you know just uh a tip so inventory goes in the car and what comes back out it's called shrinkage where you know some of the stuff gets Just, lost along the way or you know you'll notice uh, one of your friends already or um surprisingly has a new door to his cm8 <laughs> <laughs> okay uh mark which, which one, one? Uh, <laughs> Mark you know. B, Mark O. Ma, ma, yeah, you, Mark, Mark uh, uh, O. <laughs> Marco. Oh, okay. Yeah. Underholzer. Yeah, um, me. The DAT boards you have, do you know if they work on a uh, two megabyte triad board? That's a good That's question. They should. They should because they basically add the extra addressing lines. Um, I don't know for sure. Hmm. I'll, have to, uh, I'll have to look and see. 
I've got I a two megabyte board, but I need a DAT board. DAT board in order to make, make it work. Okay. So, well, if not, um, it'll make smoke. You know, I do have, yeah. I do, I do have, uh, I actually got from Tim Linder, who got from Marty Goodman, I do have a 512 triad and a, and the protector board, which I think uses, has the extra lines. So I think uh, Sloopy Malibu has it right now. But, uh, but I'll check. I might have it, but I should be able to check one against the other and see if they, you know, match up. I would assume it would because you got to access the same address lines, basically. So, yeah. And you got to do the same, same purpose. So, I mean, there's only so many ways you can do the memory upgrade on those machines. Well, and again, the extra addressing lines. So, yeah, you're yeah. feeding a couple extra lines over, right? Yeah, exactly. And I know, like on the the boomerang, it doesn't matter which way you put it on there because it doesn't matter. The banks don't have to literally be in order in in mem- in the two megabyte memory. They just have to be selectable the same way from time to time while it's operation. So that's that's interesting. I've got a Disto two meg with a bad data board. <laughs> I have to get one and try it out just for interest's sake. I'll I'll hook you up. So beauty, this will this will work. You might get a how whole. How much of the da- How much of the dat boards? Um, one moment here. I, ha- I haven't run all the numbers yet. It's so. easy financing. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Um, uh-huh. I take I take your first grandchildren, but only if they're productive. You know? <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't want lazy <laughs> grandchildren laying so, around here. So if you have to ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look back cool. here. I got Glad to see him around. So I haven't run all the numbers yet, but I know that the the two meg boards themselves are going to be around uh, 65 or 70, I think, with the current costs of things and all the stuff. And it may include the DAT board, but I don't recall. So And then the 512 that doesn't need it is going to be like around 30. Yeah, it's a lot less. Hmm. Yeah. Has has the um, increase in consumer prices uh, made the cocoa go up even higher? (laughs) <laughs> uh, well, that's Anyone a different notice? matter. Yeah, I don't think cocoa prices are really tied to inflation. No. Well, no, it just it was available and demand. Yeah, supply and demand. Cost, you know, yeah. they just there wasn't parts. Who cared what they cost? You couldn't get them. But now they're coming back at the original prices, so maybe we'll come back to normal again. Shall I run the outro? Sure. I'm ready to go. Yep. All right. This concludes another episode of Cocoa Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Cocoa Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Cocotalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weaver, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Ken Waters, 
Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! see um we got anything going on in the chat that needs looking at i see really nick just... Moroto was in here yes i Hi, saw nick. i saw somebody uh, wanted to know how to put your picture on nick Moroto, nick Moroto, nick Moroto. i pushed the button but apparently it's broke um mm. last night uh uh <laughs> google drive just Decided to change things and all the links are broken. So I got to re. Uh, apparently, there's one more I got to find. So, so you have to reprogram your button so you can push the button. That's right. So the right stuff happens when you push yep. the button. But hey, at least the, sh- the stuff for the show worked. Um, well, as well as it always does. There's <laughs> <laughs> always. All right. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Push, well, push the button, Frank. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Bye, everybody. everybody. Bye. Come back next week. Sayonara. Two, only two week. weeks left for Coca Fest.